Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Uh, put uh, put down your, your hot dogs and chili dogs. It's Patrick here. Wow, coming in hot and, dare I say, cool. It's kind of Very a cool, cool. introduction, you know. <laughs> I, you know I, was, I could see you walking into the cafe at Happy Days and telling every like the Fonz and telling people, "Put down your hot dogs." Patrick's here. Hey, put down, show some respect. Put down the hot dog. It's me, the Fonz. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing says cool like forcing people to put down their food in yeah. reverence, in reverent awe. Tell, yeah. Teach your kids if you want. If you want authority, tell people to put down their food. Put down your food. I'm walking in. All right, Patrick. Leather. I think we talked a little bit about it beforehand, but uh, people know our show. They say when they listen, they say it's a 70 30 split. Yeah, it's a um, 70% serious cinematic discussion. Yep. 30% spoofs and goofs. Pure, they know us. Pure chicanery. 30% yeah. pure chicanery. But uh, today we are covering art with a capital A. And I yeah, think it's we've real. talked a little bit about it. The we probably need to tone down some of the spoofs and goofs. I to probably, get to the shouldn't have, of probably shouldn't have started with the weird hot dog thing. <laughs> In retrospect, <laughs> probably not the best way to start. <laughs> um, there is a big there is a big hot dog section. Just oh, I know I haven't been mm-hmm. introduced yet. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. That's true. I forgot about that. Not a goof. Oh. It's, it's, it's a good right. hot dog scene. <laughs> and that Pat- is- <laughs> Patrick, was that a uh, Christopher Nolan style Easter egg? We have to re-listen to the podcast for you to uh, really understand all the seeds that you were planting early on. Listeners, stop the podcast now. Start again. <laughs> Start listen it again. First, listen to the first three minutes. <laughs> Use your ears to, to find the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like writing like a lengthy essay about kind of the ins and outs, like our Borges-esque labyrinths that we're laying out yeah. on this podcast, you know, I feel free to go for it. I'm sure that there's a lot of publications that would be quite interested it's in a, that. It's a regular uh, library of babble. <laughs> open a, open a right. book, you find the letter A. And then if you go to the a little further in, it's Academy Academy. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our guest today. We have a wonderful, terrific guest today. A true, uh, I've heard a big Angels fan. So we're really excited about this. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the Academy, Ruha Taslimi. Hi. I am a big Angels fan. Oh, we need them. We need them. So just to dive right in, like, what was your, um, usually we do a Streep story on the show and kind of a background with Meryl uh Streep. But this is such a big thing. You know, Meryl Streep is, unlike a lot of her other works, just a part of how big of a deal this one is. Uh, So what is your um, kind of history with Angels in America? I I guess I haven't even said it. We're covering Angels in America on the show today. And also, very quickly, uh, legitimate goddamn theater, baby! Yes! Yes! Yes. Oh! Yes! Oh, Ruha! makes legitimate goddamn theater it's very good um <laughs> it, in the before times the yeah in the before times free when, the free t- the free when we had when we had live theater um <laughs> i did host a show legitimate goddamn theater at ucb um where we 
put one act plays up every yep. month one act plays by ucb's best comedians um and not all comedy plays although you know every everything has a little funny in it oh yeah <laughs> uh, and one of them i might post a picture on the old twitter t- on all the old academy academy twitter where i am dressed as a nun oh yes that was a famous famous musical month um really <laughs> uh all musical plays and Patrick was a nun. That's very true. Man. And also Ghost, very good improv team as well. Probably my favorite UCB house team as of oh. uh, in these in these uh, and then, of course, you know, we're talking about the pre-times and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. Ghost I hope I hope Ghost still does like stuff in the future. We still hang, we chill. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We still consider ourselves a team. We don't have anything to do really, but <laughs> but we would. Hell yeah, um, hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh yeah, so um theater love it obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we are uh we are i'll speak for myself like i i did drama and theater in high school but have not even come near it since but uh i took a uh class at ucb that we did not get to do our class show but i was te- taking a class with uh john ross bowie where we were doing actual scenes from plays and oh, i did yeah. a, i was supposedly going to be doing a scene from angels in america really? that never that i never got to do that i but i had memorized when we watched the show enough uh it's the scene where um i was playing joe pitt uh-huh and uh, he where he's confronted by harper toward the front of it where she uh-huh. says she burnt dinner and they kind of go back and forth and yes it was uh it was quite quite an experience in uh, coming kind of back, not having done it since high school, twenty almost twenty years before, to have a real challenge at this level, and then to see Patrick Wilson do it, and we'll get to the individual performances. But I was yeah. like, oh, oh that's what a real actor does. <laughs> like, just kind of like being like just blown away by, uh, like, kind of like, oh, I was looking at this at such a surface level, and boy, these people in this in this film are. You know, top to bottom, just at the peak of the at the peak of their game. It's epic. It's peak of their game, and and frankly, some were unknown when Mm -hmm. this first. You know, when I first saw this, I was like, "Who is this? They're incredible." Um, A few of them, but uh, my history with it to loop back since we went on a UCB tangent. It happens. Um, It happens. Yeah. I I was I went to LA County High School for the arts as a theater major, um, class of '97. So this is a long time ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, what? How many years is that? I guess 23 years. Um, uh, 24 coming up on. Uh, but yeah, I I read a lot of plays. I loved plays, um, and. I believe I read Angels in America, both plays, Millennium Approaches and Perestroika uh, first in high school there. Um, And standouts. I mean, immediately was my favorite play that I'd ever read. Um, Tony Kushner, the playwright, just just incredible. Um, And I... I never got to see a live production, but I truly believe that this miniseries is the ultimate production of this play. Um, I would still want to see it, but particularly mm-hmm. because Tony Kushner also wrote the screenplay and was very involved. It yeah. is a beautiful 
telling of these plays, you know, and the two plays in three acts being like this six part miniseries. And I, I don't know, I, uh, the miniseries is freaking incredible. I, everyone is brilliant. Every, every, <laughs> everything about it is, uh, you said art with a capital A, it is devastating, heartbreaking, beautiful, powerful art. Yeah, it's a the glorious thing about it is that, you know, you could do the art with a capital A and there is like it's complicated. It is a diff. It is difficult, but it's it's he uh, Kushner is kind of like expecting the audience that they'll be on. Like it's he's not saying that they're not going to be on board with it. And it has such an emotional human gut punch mm-hmm. that like makes you kind of guides you through some of perhaps the more dense moments of the play and it really balances it out. It's just, it's truly extraordinary. I read it for the first time last year when we were preparing, I read the entire thing and I was just like, I can't believe this even exists. Like, it seems like it's a miracle that it's like, even here in kind of these like, like it's just, it's so it's, yeah, it's just truly like a special thing that's going to last. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to see it on stage too. I, I'm like, oh yeah, it, I would be willing to. Like, I was thinking so much about it. Like, how are they doing like this? Like where he climbs the ladder mm-hmm. into the afterlife, and how do how do you stage that? Like, I just want to see how just kind of the like technical aspects of it too. But I, I read this interesting quote. Um, they revived it a few years ago. Andrew Garfield played Prior Walter. Mm. in the uh, revival and I guess when they were doing the revival uh, Nichols was still alive and Ben Shankman who plays Lewis mm-hmm. came up to him and said hey have you seen it and they kind of chatted it out and um, Ben Shankman was a little like he felt um, and I, I don't see why they wouldn't feel this way like a, a lot of ownership over the part and he was like they did such a good job and I'm a little like conflicted with it and um Nichols just like patted him on the shoulder. He goes, don't worry, it's ours. And walked away from him. And that's when you said kind of the idea that this is the definitive version of it. I think that they would all happily agree <laughs> that it is. Yeah. Just despite the fact that there's been many great performances, I'm sure before and after. Oh yeah. Like it's so funny. Like looking at some of these castings, like, uh, like in the, I guess like the signet, uh, the 2013, like edition of this, like Billy Porter is Belize is such a good, uh, it's like such a good, like dream casting. There's a part of me that wants to see that version or like Frank Wood, like the actor Frank Wood is Roy. who's kind of like a character actor. Who's very, it's very good. in like the little bit parts he has, mm-hmm. uh, but is it yeah. Nathan Lane? Um, Nathan Lane plays Roy Cohn. Uh, Nathan Payne plays in that Roy one Con- uh, in a different one. This is a later. Uh, he plays oh, in, the, in the more recent one. This is an earlier one. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at mm-hmm. in the, okay. the, in the Nathan Lane is Roy Cohn is great too. This is the yeah, the Andrew Greifield is prior. Uh, God, Russell Tovey is Joe. Russell Tovey is underrated. I love I love me some Russell Tovey. He's great in Looking. Uh, if anyone's ever seen Looking, uh, for all your Looking <laughs> heads, for all you Looking freaks out there. If you want to look into looking. <laughs> that's my that's our other podcast, Look into Looking. That's going to be released. Uh, <laughs> in, yeah, uh, 2021, Look into Looking. <laughs> but I, I think um, this is like, 
we kind of like I it's interesting when we started off the show and I think Patrick and I talked a little bit about before we came on like there's a nervousness because this is such a like daunting yeah piece of art to kind of like how are we gonna like all dive in how we're gonna take a look at this like we've done like three episodes about Mamma Mia with ease it's hard yeah. it's hard to uh and, and there is like a part get of into like, this yeah it's hard and it's like yeah it's like uh, I wish the old podcast could just be me being the weird Fonzie character from the first five <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I don't have to like yeah because it is like yeah it's like uh it's like we're dealing with delicate China you don't want to break it you know what I mean or you don't yeah, want to like be you... really respectful to yeah. it really because it's a powerful it's, subject matter. It's dealing with uh, AIDS in New York in mm. the mid '80s, um, and it's, 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 it's you know, kind of yeah. everything else in between too. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I think the thing that I was so impressed with, you know, among many things, but just kind of the fact that Tony Kushner's willingness to um, kind of present what seemed to be everything that was on his mind at this time in his life over the course of these six to seven hours. And it's just, um, and to the, the fact that it's put together in such a intelligent and move simultaneously moving way is it, it, you can't really underestimate the achievement there. You know, everyone's taught in writing classes, like you know, back to UCP or whatever, like stick to your game, like just follow through it. He's like all over the map, but then finds a way to land it in such an amazing way. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the work of genius. The, the core subject that it revolves around is also, you know, we're still living in a time period that this is so recent. And, and especially when this play came out, like this is, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. There isn't a lot of, there, we're still barely seeing work about this subject and, mm -hmm. um, and to, to humanize and love and, you know, see it represented in this powerful heartfelt way is really, is so important. And it's just done with this incredible gaze. Um, Oh, incredible gaze. Yeah. I think it's just you also know. like yeah, the, the scope of it. I think there is like something that's like, because it is dealing with these very specific things on one hand, but I think it's also asking like these overarching questions. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's scope. I think few modern writers are willing to tapple, are tapple, willing to tapple things. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, is, what is a tapple? Uh, but willing to, what is a tapple? Uh, but Patrick, get in your head. Uh, get out of your head. Get in your head. Get out of your head. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> it's already falling apart. Patrick! We have a fourth screen yeah. that showed up on our Zoom. It's a rabbit hole that Patrick fell into. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a tapple hole. Uh, but yeah. uh, just like the, the, um, willingness to tackle these huge uh things like uh, like um, um religion the role mm -hmm. of a religion in america uh you know uh philosophy like uh, i i think a lot of people are afraid to go as broad on these subjects because when you go so broad it's so easy to fall on face first on the ground you know what i mean and it's very easy to look like a fool yeah and uh yeah and it's a does. deep dive into yeah. religion, politics, sexuality, yeah. you know, race in America, yes. um, 
and it is and it's and it's a like it's this glorious like close to mirror reflection mm. like it's this capturing and tackling of all these things in a way that's rarely been done mm-hmm. there are you know that's what's also interesting about it is you know like Belisa's speech I think to Lewis uh later in the play maybe it's in part two about what America is mm-hmm. um and yeah rings so true still his um his ability to kind of capture the macro and the micro I'm not sure if um there's many pieces of art that are con- comparable because like all of these characters just to get down to that level mm-hmm. he, he something like this I think he could have very very easily had pretty like high level like you know hero characters and absolute villain characters and even Roy Cohen who is obviously not a doubt a, a, yeah. a, a villain <laughs> a baddie. he's a bad he's a bad man yeah he doesn't though just make him like this arch villain character like you yeah. see all yep. of his like weaknesses and his flaws and what he's fighting within himself and like he has a weird sympathy for him which i think is necessary for any writer to have for all of their characters even the villainous characters and i think that it leads to making those scenes like you know i think one of the more moving scenes because it also is huge for lewis's character arc is the um after roy passes away and Belize mm-hmm. invites Lewis in to uh, perform the uh, the Kaddish mm-hmm. service on him, and then Ethel Rosenberg also shows up to speak it to speak through Lewis, and it's just it's such a like powerful scene, and even like to pay to do this for a monster shows kind of the level of like sensitivity and forgiveness and soul that's present that's presented in the play even the way he, he plays with roy's death with mm-hmm. ethel before he dies even though he screams you know <laughs> i tricked you or whatever oh my but God. yeah when he starts calling her mom and asks mm-hmm. her to sing to him and she you know even you see her have empathy mm-hmm. for him in his dying moment even though she hated him it it's really it's really powerful and it and it goes this show like this idea like this guy who's i guess we start moving into the character by character but um his kind of like this guy who's presented himself as this all-powerful villain monstrous character Kushner really understanding what his true broken soul and insecurities were and mm-hmm. you know really put in those display because I think no matter how hard he may have tried to bury those, those are still going to be present with him. And in the dying moment, which I think we're all going to be honest in our dying moments, you know, you're, it's going to come out. I also yeah. like, I feel like in some ways, like it's very interesting. Like, I feel like he's almost uh, like the most I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this properly. Like in some ways he's like one of the most portrayed as one of the most I don't even know if it's human. Maybe, maybe not the most human characters. Maybe that's the wrong term. But like, uh, I think he's like the most tactile and connected to the world in ways. Like he's he is someone who enjoys 
like life and his life is so connected i don't know i feel like out of all the characters he's the one who uh i guess is like connected to society and like stuck in society and like he doesn't really have like thoughts beyond like heaven or hell he's like really focused in the now and the here Mm-hmm. when compared to like other like the, the the other main cast members which i find interesting like he's totally like uh, he i think he's someone who couldn't like almost imagine like a concept of heaven or like you know what i mean like i don't know like he just seems he seems very he seems very connected to reality in ways that other characters perhaps uh they could at least like you know he doesn't have that same like link to angels and stuff like that beyond ethel i guess well, think about um Belisa's speech where he ta- tells roy about the afterlife oh yeah and he's like well of course you're not there yeah you know it's like you're not basically you're not invited and then they cut back to pacino and kind of like going back to what you said patrick kind of his recognition of like oh because i i don't think roy is like certain he's going to die like he might even say i'm dying but i think he thinks he's so beyond it that yeah. until the dying moments occur he doesn't really realize like oh my goodness the tidal think, wave yeah, is coming for me he thinks he can finesse himself out of death like yeah. <laughs> or negotiate or slur uh sue god yeah or something like, something like, <laughs> like that. honestly yeah i mean even thinking he tricked ethel in that moment yeah you are dying dude yeah Uh, you know roy is a great character to start with because this is the only character based on a real person Mm -hmm. um, in the play i mean there's references to reagan and things like that but um but this is a real person roy Cohn, who really did die of aids after constantly denying he had aids after Mm he um after he did and he was disbarred before he died um chief uh, council or whatever during McCarthy tr- trials and uh, and you know the lawyer who did who was responsible for the Rosenbergs being uh, executed. Mm-hmm. When I um uh, when and I, Donald oh, Trump's lawyer. Yes, is, <laughs> of course, Trump's yes. Lawyer. Um, and which, and mentor and kind of yeah. the guy who taught him everything he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was only a thing to now be like this is just a sign of how bad Trump is is that. He worked with Roy Cohn. Yeah, up so now it makes <laughs> Roy, Roy, Roy's ghost is still haunting us. <laughs> oh God! Now, now that does make me want to see a. Uh, I hate seeing Trump in media. That stuff sucks so hard. But I would be curious to see a Papacino as Trump. I think he might be the only person that could pull off that. Although it's also like I'm so tired. I'm so glad he's not like. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, also, uh, be, uh, plug our former guest, Graham High. Uh, we know he was a part of the Reagan's miniseries that just aired on Showtime. Ooh. But uh, his production company also released a film that played at Sundance a couple of years ago, a documentary called Where's My Roy Cohen, all about Roy. And oh, it's wow. uh, currently streaming on Stars. So if uh, we recommend that, check that one out. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I do think... I mean, I love Al Pacino. I'll say that first. I freaking love Al Pacino. Part of me wants to be Al Pacino. Um, and, yeah. I, and I channel him as much as I can if it works in what I'm doing. Um, but uh, for me, this was the role Al Pacino was born to play. I, mm. 
the way he commands this uh, to play someone like Roy Cohn is a perfect marriage for all of the fire that Al Pacino brings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um he's jaw dropping in this. Mm-hmm. I, he's it's yeah, you're right. Like all of his like fire and swagger that he brings to everything mm-hmm. is all here. And plus he gets to play it in this very like kind of nasty mm-hmm. kind of way. And it's yeah, I mean like going like I think I like, I mean I love he's always like he's an actor who whenever he shows up I smile mm-hmm. because he's just like he's gonna do something that surprises me it might I might be like a little weirded out by his choice at first but then I'll get used to it be like no he was right <laughs> all along and I mean he goes to the scene like toward the top where he visits uh, James Cromwell oh. as his doctor yeah and I think that that's kind of one that put me over oh, he's doing He's good. He's so committed yeah. to it. And I, I read in the mic. Liver cancer. <laughs> yeah. Liver, liver cancer. Uh, read in the Mike Nichols book, A Life. Uh-huh. That uh, they, uh, Al was the first choice for the part. Sorry. Al was the first choice? Al was the first yeah. choice. Uh, oh, a yeah. hilarious story from, about uh, previous Academy Academy uh, celebrity favorite, Dustin Hoffman. Um <laughs> I guess that at a party after all the casting was announced, Tony Kushner was at a party. He felt a tap on his shoulder and <laughs> he turned around and Dustin Hoffman was facing him. And he goes, Al Pacino's Jewish? Fuck you. And fuck Mike too. And he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is an interesting thing about the casting of this. Yeah. Like it's in a time period where, yeah, a lot of non-Jewish <laughs> actors are playing jewish roles and mostly hetero actors are playing all out of the- out of all the leads um yeah. they said that they was on set there was a assistant director who was gay and at times if tony kushner was not there they were the only gay person yeah out of the main crew like on cis set hetero. yeah yeah <laughs> and and mostly white uh even yeah. <laughs> even with whatever but you know that's that time it's recent mm -hmm. but that's what that time is um so and that is the only part of this even though i think it is still absolutely brilliant and powerful and uh and you know as a queer person of color was still impactful and powerful for me and felt representative um that's the only part of it that i'm like maybe they should remake it someday (laughs) 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 but maybe we can remake it Give us like a, a sequel or a squeakquel. Squeakquel. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all. Alvin. Mister Lies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you gotta go on a road trip. Oh, I just got a knock at my door. It's uh, Tony Kushner's here. He's come oh. to beat come to beat me up <laughs> for even suggesting any of that. <laughs> Um, tell him to go to Patrick's house because yeah. Patrick suggested the squeakquel. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, I, I'm throwing you under the bus, Patrick. You're, no. you're, you're he's going over to your house to be the shit out of you. Uh, sorry, Tony. I'm sorry. I just, I just suggested a remake where yeah, queer people and <laughs> no, Perfect, like, uh, perfectly like, reasonable. Yeah, I, like, I, like, I like Lincoln. I swear, I like Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Munich defender. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric Bana was criminally underrated. It <laughs> remains so. Um, <laughs> Just getting my teeth knocked. But in. it was interesting for this production. Um, they only had Al Pacino for five weeks. They shot for about a year. 
for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Al is, of course, a very in demand, very busy guy. So they had him kind of in the middle and all the young actors, of course, the Shankman, Kirk and um, mm-hmm. Wilson in particular grew up as total Pacino worshippers and they were, you know, very, yeah. and I guess Pacino showed up on, showed up for the table read. But one thing is, I guess Pacino refuses to act in front of writers. So for those five weeks, Tony Kushner was not allowed on set. Wow, interesting. And he was wow. on set the rest of the time. Which is an interesting, weird, but it's, it's it's Al, so obviously there'll be quirks. Um, Pacino came in with two copies of the play, one of which looked like it had been dropped in his bathtub, like it was completely soaked, like completely yeah. like ripped. Uh, but they really? all saw, yeah, they all saw though that it was like covered in notation, and he was off book for the re, and they were all like oh that's like they were already like oh he's gonna be good and then he came in completely all set and ready to go and like was blowing their minds from the top of it and they're like okay so that kind of like raises the game and they were already nervous because it was like they're not gonna fire Al, they're not gonna fire Merrill, they're not gonna fire Emma Thompson they're probably not going to fire Jeffrey Wright or Mary Louise Parker <laughs> But if we don't do well, we're like Matt Damon's yeah. getting a call. He's going to come in as a real, yeah. as a starter. Because I guess they yeah. wanted um, HBO, and we'll get to that when we talk about prior. HBO did want, or no, yeah, when we get to Joe, they wanted Matt Damon wow. to play Joe. Uh, and they wanted Reese Witherspoon to play um, Harper. Oof, no. Uh, because they wanted stars. I, I like both of them, but they were not. Clearly Mar- not. They are I not knew, right. I knew Mary Louise Parker already, but this is the first thing I ever saw Patrick Wilson in. This oh, was his yeah. first time on camera. Yeah. Period. Holy shit. And, well, know you know, both him and Jeffrey Wright were also doing Broadway shows concurrently mm-hmm. with filming this. And they were coming to this. They were basically doing this in the day. And then they go because Patrick Wilson was in Oklahoma at the time. And uh, Jeffrey Wright was in Top Dog Underdog at the time. And, cool. uh, so they and like Jeffrey Wright even said he's like, oh, I had a two-year-old. I was in a play during the day and I was doing Angels at Night. It mm-hmm. sounds insane, but it may have been the greatest time of my entire life. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can see that, man. Like I think that that's uh, I, it's so scary, but it's also like, especially we're sitting here in quarantine times, dreaming about you know, doing shows and like yeah. getting out there again. And it's like. Obviously, like it sounds crazy, but like, oh, it sounds wonderful too, <laughs> just to be in yeah. in it like that. As um, an actor, as an actor watching this, I mean, like the writing, the directing is all incredible. The acting is, it's ultimate. It's so good, and, but I, uh, I get so excited for all of the younger actors mm-hmm. in these scenes with Pacino, Streep, and Emma Thompson, like just yeah. you know and some of them are my favorite actors like i'm like i'm excited for anyone in the scene with jeffrey wright you know yeah. <laughs> but oh, but yeah. i'm also thrilled for jeffrey wright in every scene he has with pacino mm. like yeah what a cool i just think like oh how good um, that yeah. must have felt yeah find it yeah. but um pacino said that uh he loved uh, he loved working with all of his scenes with patrick wilson and found him to be a wonderful co-star even though he was great and they said Patrick Wilson showed up and he was there like he was like a little kid who um had no training around cameras at all but just got it 
Like he showed mm-hmm. up and it's like he's hitting marks and he doesn't even have to look down. He's like, and they're just like, oh, that's what you want. It's just some guy who comes in and just like this. He was ready to go. But Pacino get particular praise. Pacino sent out to Jeffrey Wright for their scenes together and just and he he relied on I guess what I read in um, Life Is not Everything mm-hmm. is that Pacino uh, always felt he didn't get all the way there because he didn't get to play it on stage, and Ooh. he felt that if he had gotten to play it on stage, he would have been able to have the time to really dig in even further. I mean, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he already did so well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, and, and it's like, he plays Roy Cohn with such like a lust for life. Mm-hmm. It's so like, I think vivacious, is that the right term? Like, it's just like, it's very like, is that the right term? I yeah. hope it is. Yeah, vivacious. Yeah, works. He's vivacious. Works. yeah, he's vivacious. Oh. Yeah, but it's just like, it kind of reminds, like, oh, man, there's, like, moments where it's, like, uh, y- you feel, like, it's, like, I-, I think of the scene where he's drinking with Patrick Wilson and the bar. Where they're, oh, where he's kind of seducing Patrick yeah. Wilson into taking the job. Oh, the shoulder massage? Yeah. Oh, God, it's, like, horror. <laughs> Incredible. So Incredible. It's, it's <laughs> horror, but it's also just very deeply sad, like, the combination it's just like oh man he's well, such a the good... weird thing is is that he, when we meet roy cohen in this he's already sick mm-hmm. he's already like it's clear like even if he wasn't sick his career was over mm-hmm. but he doesn't know it yet but we know it's going to be over so like the seduction thing you're right there is like a sadness to it because that in pro in like 1955 that probably worked yeah but in 1985 or around that, give or take. Yeah. Um, it's a little more like sad and depressing. Ooh. And yeah. obviously it was always lechy, but it's particularly lechy, uh, especially yeah. what, we, what we learn about Joe and kind of his own struggles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when this first came out, um, I remember like Pacino had started to kind of have a rep as like the greatest overactor, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. right? Like- Oh yeah, this is like um, post devil's advocate Pacino. Which was, is which yeah, is great. He, oh, and yeah. I, I don't know if there was ever an issue, but like yeah. that is what this requires. Is that yeah. of acting like so I was like greatest over actor, greatest actor. Like no yeah. one could have done this like Pacino. Oh, I, I stand by that. When I was in like <laughs> high school and like first like watching it, like really like watching actors and watching films, I definitely felt like like when I watched like Heat, which is one of my favorite films, mm-hmm. when I first saw it, I was firmly at the Neil slash Robert De Niro camp as my favorite part of the movie. But with each passing year and each passing screening of Heat, I'm like, no, I'm a Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino man all the way. Like, I think he's he's so because he's passionate. It's overacting, but he believes it. Oh, but like it, he's yeah. committed. Like yeah. you don't see that fire. That's so special. Yeah. For yeah. someone to bring that heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. That's a, I mean, yeah. He was at the peak of his hoo career. Mm-hmm. The, you know, I, I, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter at all. No, it's, so, it's good. It's yeah. like, it, and like, oh man, when they're in the restaurant, like Martin Heller and uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, I guess Brian Markinson portrays Martin yeah. Heller. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh man, he's like Smeagol or something. It's very like, he just like, and I think they have like some of the makeup on him at that point. Like they're trying to show he's sick and he just brings like that energy of like, it's like Ian Holm in Lord of the Rings where like, I got the ring. Like, 
that when he tells like he tells like the the says everyone to say like the fuck off or whatever just incredibly loudly and yeah. everyone looks at him uh i don't know i get chills i love it's, it he's the physical embodiment of like the disease of power and yeah. we're seeing the end oh. of the line of it right here and it's Ugh. it's so incredible and one thing i want brought up that he is the like the only um real person yes yeah and i think that that gives it so much more power is this idea of like this fictional world that tony and the kind of the drive that tony kushner wants it to go in but grounding it with a real story and kind of a real history makes it feel like okay prior walter might not be a real person but he feels more real because he's living in the world that yeah, Roy Cohen really, also exists in. It really grounds all of the magical, mm-hmm. surreal elements to this. Mm-hmm. In this, uh, yeah. I, it's one of the grounding elements. I mean, yeah. the other grounding elements are all the things that we know to be true of this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it gives you the leaps and bounds for the visions and the angels and. Mm-hmm. Well, the ne- necessity of showing kind of the tragic ravages of what this disease does to the body and never shying yeah. away from kind of the graphic more graphic elements of that yeah. which totally necessary to show them uh before we move on from alan roy though i wanted to share a personal story of my proudest moment of high school is <laughs> i did um i did a mock trial where i defended the rosenbergs oh. and i won i got them off mm-hmm. so i'm uh, like i whenever i see or hear about them i'm like i saved the rosenbergs if only yeah. i had been against roy and courts yeah. i would have gotten him but someone uh needs, someone needs a time machine yes yeah, send, yeah. send me back send i uh, i my defense was uh something with regards to santa claus giving out presents to everyone across the world is santa solid. is yeah. santa commie would you want to send santa to the electric chair as a traitor <laughs> right. and move from there my high school classmates my senior year they bought it they yeah, bought I, it quite I, well. I assume all of your classmates uh, watched the hit film Fred Claus. I'm assuming yeah. you went to school in 2000. <laughs> you're in high school yeah. in 2006 or whatever. Oh, when was this? Yeah. I was not. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, it, you know, if 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 you had pitched me the idea of Fred Claus when I was in high school, I said I would said that sounds like a winner. Yeah, I, I'd buy a ticket to that. Sounds <laughs> like that's what we really need to use the time machine for. We go back in time. We tell you about Fred Claus. We come back. You're a billionaire. I would be like Biff in Back to the Future 2 with the <laughs> Sports Almanac if you did that to me, man. You're living off that, that, that Fred Claus empire. Yeah. Living off that, that you got Fred Claus mania. When but it's I, I'm sure that I would be corrupted by power as well. <laughs> if, if Given the level of that level of over to be able to pitch and sell Fred Claus in 1999, 2000, rather than 2008. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you'd gotten them off with that clause defense, then did Fred Claus, like, what is the play about you? Uh, in, in a boy, few decades from now, ta- talking about here. talking about a sliding doors right here. My uh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that trial, I mean, every scene he's in is brilliant. But that scene where Joe comes to tell him he's not going to Washington oh, before he first goes to the hospital, and he describes like being on the judge every day to make sure they got the, executed, to make sure they got death, and Joe's reaction of like, yeah. 
that would be murder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he fucking murdered them. Yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he, ha- he happily murdered them. Yeah. <laughs> like, Roy, no, you couldn't have done that. That was murder. <laughs> That's like the one point where it's like, come on, Joe. Yeah. And poor, Roy's like, poor, poor Joe. Poor Joe. <laughs> you little, you little. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Oh, and Joe says to him, like, oh, you're the, sorry, Patrick. Uh, no, you go, you go. That he says to him in that scene, like, how much he worships him worships him for being this like representation of order and decency oh you're just finding out what the republican party gets up to joe you've been a part of it forever <laughs> uh, he is it's still the same <laughs> oh yeah yeah 100%. It just uh, cranked a little further in the worst category and more on the surface but pretty much the same thing yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Patrick Wilson is such, like, he just has the perfect face for it. He well, he's, is, like, he's so innocent. He is, he's like a milk boy. He's just, yeah. like, a weird, like, uh, just, like, he's just always, like, I'm the little farmhand. Like, he just yeah. has that energy. Yeah, Yeah, because th- even though we find a lot of things out about his character continuously that are, like, this is not a good oh, no. thing, you're also rooting for him. Like, I'm so excited for him to experience things that he yeah. hasn't let himself experience, and if he it, finds his way out of the final moment, I think the is the final moment we see him at when they oh, he yeah. runs into his mother on the street where they they mm-hmm. witness the choir. He looks like he's been um, hit by a train. Yeah, five o'clock shadow. Yeah, the first ever five. Yeah, his life. Baby face has a little stubble. Yeah, he's <laughs> more than likely not wearing the Mormon underwear anymore. He's just kind of yeah. out there in the wind. Yeah, uh, yeah you're. Like there is an entire like history and story that could like he's at a real crossroads in that yeah. moment of where is he going to go? is he going to double down in kind of his self denial or is he going to try yeah. to live a little bit more freely and we don't know and I think that that's and is a- he going to come around at all on the fucked up stuff he believes like yeah so defensive of it i mean i think this is a good avenue to switch to joe yeah uh yeah yeah i think this is kind of fun we're like yeah it's like naturally like weaving in and out (laughs) uh one thing i did want to mention is al pacino won every award imaginable that he could have won oh uh for this performance so i not that not that that should become as a surprise to anyone but yes he uh deserved he swept (laughs) swept best actor wherever he could have won they are like, Al, come on, we'll give you an award. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, so this is Patrick Wilson plays Joe Pitt, the uh, closeted Mormon Republican attorney. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, all, all the checklists there. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and um, and that um, has the famous hot dog scene that Patrick um, oh, yeah. laid an egg for at the top. And when I say <laughs> yes. famous, it's a small scene, but man, like, those hot dogs look good. That scene makes me as hungry for yeah. hot dogs every time I see it. And there's a point, it's him and Lewis meeting for the first time in the park, and there's a point where he puts the hot dog on his lap, and I'm like, this is very blatant. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Nicholas, maybe tone it down a little bit. Maybe they should have had, like, yeah. a shawarma or something, something a little less. <laughs> also, also, they're fully plain hot dogs. Like, there's not a thing on them, and he has three, but they look delicious. It's just a dog. I- in a bun and he has a coke and a pepto-bismol and the only part i'm not on board with is the pepto <laughs> yeah he loves he i think he uh stuff. these are all three of these things though are things you discovered when he moved to brooklyn though <laughs> yeah. like admittedly <laughs> 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 
Yeah. He, he came from a he came from a place. Yeah, he, it's like he came from a place so. Well, drinking a soda, drinking a soda with caffeine is a big move. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. About for, Mormon to begin Mormon. with. Yeah, and we do real. We do find out he has an ulcer later. A real bad ulcer. Yeah, well, obviously, because he's like, he's I. And, okay, so uh, basically, Patrick Wilson was one of kind of the discoveries mm-hmm. for this film. Um, he was a uh, up and coming Broadway person. Uh, one of the things when they were doing the casting, they did bring in a lot of, you know, as we they never brought him in, but Matt Damon was pitched by the HBO executives. I know Adrian Brody Whoa. tried out for Lewis. And apparently was uh, uncomfortable with um, some of the more intimate scenes. Okay, Adrian Again. Brody, yeah. thumbs down. And who know who? I mean, who know who knows in the almost twenty years since this if he's open, you know? Yeah, whatever. You know. I don't care. But <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know Adrian. I just you know. My yeah. my favorite uh, quick little my favorite my favorite story is um I mean as has been many discussed many many times over the show, Terrence Malick is one of my favorite directors. Oh, I'm yeah. a huge Malick head. Uh, in the novel The Thin Red Line, the character Adrian Brody plays is the lead character. They shot a screenplay in which Adrian Brody was cast as the lead character mm-hmm. on set. Though Malik discovered he was more intrigued by James Caviezel's performance uh-huh. as Private Wit, which is here's a here's a cool one. He's more like Jesus Christ in the Thin Red Line than he is in the Passion of the Christ. Uh-huh. But um, so it slowly drifted away. Then they edited Adrian Brody, who was up and coming but not had hadn't had the like breakout role yeah, yet, only in, like restaurant. Brought his entire family to the premiere thinking of the Thin the Red Line, thinking he was the star of this movie. Yeah, he's in like four scenes. Yeah, <laughs> and he was shattered. He was absolutely shattered by it. And it's uh, yeah, that's very like regardless of how he behaved and discomfort here. That is a heart uh, for an actor. That is a heartbreaking moment to have your entire family. Well, finding it out right after, I'm okay with yeah. it. Yeah, I will, I will, say, I will say a more he got an Oscar Things went fine for him. It's okay. You know, <laughs> and he did the S, the SNL. His famous, oh, yeah, his banning famous. on SNL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone loved. Everyone remembers that character. Uh, yeah, banned from SNL. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, just really quickly, a tangential tangent on the tangent. It reminds me, my friend, uh, I have a friend, Jason Sagala, shout out Jason, uh, who uh, he Hi, used Jason. to work, oh, my boy Jason, uh, <laughs> who up, Jason? Uh, works at, uh, he used to work at AMC in Houston, and um, do you guys remember that, like, Nicolas Cage movie about the sharks, like, the thing, you know, you know that story in Jaws about the sharks attacking, like, this? Oh, little... yes, it's so, USS Indianapolis, yes, oh, Cage so, knowledge coming after. Oh, man, thank you, thank you, so, like, that movie, horrible, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, it's so bad, it's not even funny, don't watch it, but uh, one of the stars of that is this guy, Matt Lanter, who, like, I think he does voice work, and you end up, like, starring in, like, an ABC drama or something, but his father, like, uh, came to like that movie theater in AMC, the AMC and he's like oh this is like my son's first big role I can't wait to see him on the screen and he was apparently um uh the only ticket that was purchased was his 
and he was the only person in the theater. And then the movie that his son was starring in was fucking USS Indianapolis. <laughs> what a like long, long, long night of oh. the soul or whatever. Like how depressing. I mean, I guess it's, although it's good for Matt Lanner. He'll be fine. Maybe he should have sent dad a screener. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, send, yeah, send dad a screener. Like this one's for the, you know, save that for the, save that for the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the TiVo, my friend. But but yeah, so uh, Patrick Wilson had to go through the full scale audition process. They also had to, um, in particular, this will come up with Justin Kirk, but apparently the HBO executives straight up said, who is this person that you yeah. want? Yeah. Uh, but Nichols and his casting agent were very. Ooh, that, this is I, I'm so impressed with this casting agent. <laughs> they were very like convinced, like. Basically, because of the number of days they had to shoot and the the amount of dialogue, they were like, "We need theater people, yeah, to be able to pull this off." Because, like, if you work in TV or movies, you're just not asked to do this level of heavy lifting on a daily basis. And that was like their biggest concern with casting a Matt Damon or Reese Witherspoon was like, "They're not going to do this." We just don't know if we can get them to like yeah. do all of this. And I know that and Nichols- maybe they would have, maybe they would have, but I'm glad they went with. I'm glad they went with yeah. these people. They, everyone they got put their hearts and souls mm-hmm. into this thing at the highest level and i think i love i love about patrick wilson was i read this as mentioned top the character he plays was the one that i was working on doing a scene for before we got hidden and i thought of him as this like nervous bundle of anger uh, uh-huh. and watching patrick wilson do it where it was this kind of innocent mm-hmm. confusion and he like raises the timber in his voice. The scenes with Mary Louise Parker, she seems to be more the stronger of the two in those scenes, which is kind of surprising when you read it on paper. You're like, oh, yeah. she's the one on pills. She's the like housewife yeah. who's stuck in Brooklyn, but she's the one who's a lot more like aware of yeah. the situation. Like, and he plays him like like you. Got, I think you get somebody who's completely a fresh face, who looks like they are like. Axel Rose getting off the bus in the Welcome to the Jungle video in Los Angeles. Like, wow, look at the big city. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think he, I think he just plays it perfectly. And he gets to the, cause in the play, I, when I read it, I thought when Joe's darker side comes out or Joe's crimes, if you will, mm-hmm. are revealed. I thought it was like, Oh, this is revealing. He's in. I don't even think he knows totally what he's doing. In no, any situation, which is doesn't. really beautiful and sad. Following, you know, he he's a Republican Mormon. He's been following yeah. things he's been told to do by Republicans, by what what we know is heavily informed by like white supremacy for so long that he doesn't even know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. When Lewis is reading those to him, all of his decisions he wrote it um i mean he that's the only time that like he gets so angry that he beats up lewis yeah. and like and and it explodes and i'm like oh like it, yeah. and it's this weird thing where you're like oh he is this monster but then you also feel bad for him because you're like he doesn't even know he doesn't like you see him get so defensive and snap and i'm like how do i feel bad for him he's the one beating the shit out of and, and he, and it, yeah, because he's at this point where he's finally like, I love you to this person too. So it's, it, it's, it's brutal. So sad. It's so he, he reminds yeah. me of, um, he's a child 
yeah. who does not know how to process anything mm-hmm. that is coming at him. So he turns to even a physical act because he doesn't like it's like you take away a toy from a child and they like throw something at you yeah. because it's just like, I don't know what to do. I'm upset. I don't know like where to yeah. put this. And he doesn't know if he'd like, he doesn't love Lewis. He thinks yeah. he lo- you know, it's no, like, he's just finally yeah. at all accepting his own sexuality. So he's in love with the first yeah. person yeah. he's had anything with. He doesn't know Lewis. They don't know each other at all. Is what yeah. And obviously they are to. completely different. Yeah, they have nothing so in common. Extremely yeah. different, and I think he uh, he feels attacked by Lewis in that moment mm-hmm. in a way that I don't have empathy for. Like <laughs> Lewis is just confronting you with exactly who you are. He's right, just you know, but but he's so defensive that he you know feels attacked. And I think yeah. there's this element too where he um he's like okay, finally, I'm, I, I'm doing what I feel. I'm trying to live freely mm-hmm. and, all, and being rejected Yeah. in the first moment, in his mind being rejected, not because of his just being at an emotional level rejected yeah. or being accused is such a painful thing because he's hid and he's been, he's been beating himself up for so long. And then the first time he like tries to actually be himself, he's attacked and rejected and rightfully so yeah and And that just builds on his own like you know he does not know what to do with it yeah oh yeah and 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 it's like he's lived this life where like everything was so planned out and it allowed him to be emotionally stunted it allowed him to be like you know allowed him to have this almost like lenny and my sub mice and men like reaction like it is like that kind of thing where like he just doesn't Mm. know what to do because he's never been given the tools to or you know he doesn't have the tools to deal with it Mm -hmm. um i mean the way he talks about his own sexuality earlier you know like he he does he's never been he's repressed it so hard yeah when it first comes up a few times it's such a moot point when he meets lewis in the bathroom crying and there's that moment where they keep saying republican instead of gay yeah like because Lewis is like, you're, and he's like, what, a Republican? And he's like, yeah. you're a Republican, you know? Like, <laughs> but then he's like, yeah, okay. And you know what they're doing. And he's like, no. And then when Harper receives the news via the threshold of revelation scene, which I'm sure we will get into later when we talk about her more. Oh, yeah, yeah. One mm-hmm. of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. Um, when she brings it up to him, he's so not ready. And the way he's like, does it matter if I've buried it deep? And like, no, you know, if I've done everything in my power to like, not, it's just such a, I mean, it's tragic. You know, like, I don't want to see, I'm not that into seeing repressed closet characters, but man, they're real. And this is, uh, uh, yeah. This is a powerful version that was very real at that time. Uh, He's so warped. Most of the characters, except for Joe and uh, we'll get get to her Harper, we're kind of seeing their arc. Yeah. Their kind of full realization arc. Whereas at the end of it, for those two, we're kind of left at an ambiguous square one of where are they going to go Yeah, from here. Like yeah. even at the end where they're at the fountain and yes. Hannah is yeah. like glammed up and it's like oh she oh like she's is so like fully cool. real yeah. Yeah. she's cool and she's like like <laughs> feeling it she's like and she's like so like 
these are my best friends. It's so, yeah. it's so I, great. And I'm like, these four icons. What a wild, like, yeah. like when TV... you start the play, you do not realize these are the four people mm-hmm. we are going to end up with at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I, like, Pryor does friends. get that amazing line, like, I wish you were a stere- the stereotype when he says yes. to her, which yes. is one of the best yeah. moments of the, you know, and Shreep gets, that's one of my favorite yeah. Streep scenes, but yeah, the Both way that they cross paths and she, and she helps him uh, when we get to street, yeah. like that, that is an incredible part. Um, Joe too, but again, Joe, like the, uh, I'm, I'm, I am so excited for him to like kiss Lewis for the first time and to have sex for the first time. There's like, even though at that point in the play, you're like, both of these people are monsters. I'm not rooting for either of these characters. They've been (laughs) terrible. And yet I'm also rooting for them. What a great piece of art. And and you're devastated for him because you see that call he makes to his mom. Oh my God. And he asks her like, did dad love me or something, right? And Mm -hmm. she's like, what is this about? And have you been drinking? Because Mormons are also are not supposed to drink. And he's like, yeah. Um, And then he tells her he's gay. She says nothing. And all she says after like a pause is, you know, your father didn't love you. Like, you like, like, what a ridiculous thing to ask when you already know you're an adult, you know, I don't need to explain to you that your father didn't love you. And he's like, mom. And she's like, I have to go. I think it's like, yeah, I I think with like Patrick Wilson's character, it is like he had his whole life set up for him in such a specific way. And it's so tragic when he deviates from it and it doesn't work. And his immediate response too is to go back. Like, uh, so that last scene is so soul crushing mm-hmm. with the card with Marie, Mary Louise Parker, where he's like, I, I, cause I, the way I interpreted that was he was trying to like, maybe we can make this work somehow. Maybe we can like, you know, I think, right. Like in the very- the, when he says he doesn't see her, it's yeah. shattering. It's yeah. absolutely 100%. like shattering. And the way they they Nichols frames the close up on him mm. when he says that line and kind of like the I emptiness to his face, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you, and like that's the brilliance of like trauma is this idea that like we kind of know he's going to say that, yeah. So we're on the edge of our seats, but then when he does say it and kind of like fulfills that dramatic prophecy that you feel is going to have, you're you're hit even harder. I mean, I think like the brilliance of all of these characters and I, I i genuinely wish there was more in this in our entertainment and art that's a bigger process is the fact mm-hmm. that they are so damn complicated we don't love them but we love them yeah and i think that boy i i really wish everything was like that <laughs> you know it's not that simple and it's much more like life where people will even the people you love even people you respect they will be imperfect in moments in like some worse from levels of imperfection than others. But I think like, it's so human. Yeah. And it's personified in the Joe character at the highest level in this. Um, Patrick Wilson was nominated for golden globe for Mm. best supporting actor. Mm. And he was also nominated for an Emmy. He did not win, but we will, spoiler alert 
We'll be we getting to the winner moment who wins. <laughs> we'll be, okay. because it's one of the people. It better be today. <laughs> because it better be. <laughs> yeah. Because if they didn't sweep every award, then the there I mean, are um, awards are bad. But sometimes they need to get it right. <laughs> there are there are uh, we've got multiple possible people who, who could be nominated for best supporting actor yeah. in this piece. Okay, um, so let's go to your scene partner, Mary Louise Parker. Okay, we'll Harper. do Harper. <laughs> uh, sh- just gonna tear the band-aid it's might be my favorite performance of in the entire show. oh in the entire show yeah i think it's so we we're talking about kind of pacino's unexpected choices mm-hmm. the way she plays kind of half zombified pill popper half full sale truth full-scale truth sayer yes it like she's confident but broken mm-hmm. at the exact same time and i don't know how you do that as an actor yeah. i truly don't know how like you balance it out um she was apparently the only choice for nick on nickel's end for the part he saw her do yeah. uh proof where she won the tony award right mm-hmm. before this mm-hmm. ben shankman also in that same production mm-hmm. and they were like she's the only person for the part we yeah, and they were right. <laughs> like she's incredible. It's, it's also- my favorite she's ever been. I, mm-hmm. I I fell in love with her in it's, it. It's so difficult too, because it's like I feel like uh, her character is the one that I feel like is most isolated from the main story. Mm-hmm. Like she really doesn't meet the majority of the cast beyond weird, you know, dream sequences. Or yeah, I mean, her yeah. scenes with Jeffrey Wright, he's not playing Belize. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he's Mr. Lies, and yeah. and she has one scene with Pryor, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and it is in a, a dream, or well, for her, it's in a pill high, <laughs> for him, it's in a dream, yeah. And, it, and um, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. I feel like it's the part that you could most easily mess up because it is like that. She, she's, she's dealing the most with like weird, fan, the, the weirder fantastical elements of the film, but mm-hmm. the fact that she's able to, like, she, she's despite being like in this weird like pill haze she's able to ground it she provides that grounding and i think she's like i don't know she just has like this americana it's turn patrick wilson they are like that perfect midwestern like they both are like she's like the midwestern girl she he's the midwestern boy they have that essence that um if you'd gotten someone else i don't know if other they have to have that look that if you saw their photograph yeah you'd be like you know oh the you know yeah, the Midwestern, it's very, you know, white, handsome white couple. Yeah, spirity Utah. They're, yeah, they're both great looking, and you're just like, oh, wonderful. Yeah, they, yeah. they you know, but not they like, match. But, like, great looking, but also, like, um, and this is, like, not, like, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're dad, the girl next door, boy next door. Like, they're both very, like, I don't yeah. know. Like, they feel like. Well, Norman not, Rock, like, Norman Rockwell. Like, yeah, exactly. They're yes. not, they're not threatening. Yeah. And he looks exactly like that mannequin in the yeah. Foreman Center. Yeah. <laughs> Very wild, yeah. Which is so true. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously they made that mannequin <laughs> to be him. Yeah, but it's also like, yeah, Patrick Wilson is like a, a mannequin given life by like a witch or something. Which I think yeah. it underestimates him. And he's, you know, to briefly go back to him, because I was just thinking about a couple other parts of his that I really like. I really like oh, him yeah. in uh, Little Children. And if you all remember... Yes. Um, that one he's and he's playing a similar not not he's not closeted but he's just kind of an arrested like mm-hmm. i fell into this place i have three kids 
what you know because he I, I don't know what it is about him that has that look of like oh, i i ended up in suburbia and i'm not as um excited about it as i thought yeah. but yeah. i also i also love him in the conjuring series and you know, like yeah. totally yeah, different yeah. but he's like he's and such what a was rock the other one like films. hard candy is that oh one? yes oh, yeah. yes yeah um yeah i right. mean he's he's great t- is this the of, best yeah. thing he did yeah it is but that, but this is an incredible he's not thing. Yeah. that says nothing about him that <laughs> is the fact that he this is better material yeah it's just that, how that, that comes this? along yeah and yeah. i they all know that they yeah. all know that everybody involved yeah with the exception of perhaps the big three street pacino and i um, think even they might know thompson like yeah. they, uh, they they've had the chance to play some pretty we've obviously covered street yeah pretty extensively yeah. over the last few months yeah. and uh but they are all like they've had the shot at kind of hitting these home run parts yeah. but i think for streep to play the type of character she plays in this like she knows what this work is yes you know mm-hmm. she was i think she was excited to be a part of it the way she mm-hmm. was yeah um but uh and one last loop back for joe <laughs> the way that scene is shot and delivered where him and Lewis are walking on the beach and that moment yeah. where he says I love you at the same time as Lewis says I want to see Pryor or whatever <laughs> brutal brutal Oof, man uh, but yeah. it, you know we'll get to Lewis delivery. momentarily because Lewis delivery. has a fascinating arc <laughs> oh, yeah. Lewis is like, yeah. man, um, a, a character you want to hate yeah. but then but, you also yeah yeah i'm I back to like, harper yes. like uh oh my goodness so yeah just she brings so much magical and poetry like because she that is a lot of her dialogue is like well i'm on pills uh yeah. the truth sayer meets the like pill addict like <laughs> able to go on these romantic tangents and sort of not make sense while making the most sense um mm-hmm. and she's brilliant throughout and that the last time we see harper in that airplane window Oof. the way <laughs> the way she delivers that speech oh my god i like it's so simple and like so heartbreaking i she could overplay it in every no, scene she's yeah. in and she doesn't once, and it's no. it's such cons- control and constraint as an actor that it's 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 pretty startling. I talked a little bit about Pat with Patrick, um, but Ruha, I was curious, like, what do you think Harper's future is? Ooh, honestly, bright. <laughs> oh, great! Okay, that's that's very optimistic. I I was like, I was so scared for her. <laughs> oh hi! Sorry, there's a cat visiting my yard oh. that hasn't been here in a little bit. <laughs> uh oh, I think she's pregnant. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Wait. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Tangent. <laughs> this black and white beautiful cat that like was all of a sudden coming to my yard like every day a few weeks ago to the point that I was like, this is some, and, and when I opened the screen, didn't like run away. And when I said, hi buddy, like flopped on <laughs> her side. And I was like, this is someone's cat. And I tried to like, see if anyone was looking for this cat. I didn't find anything. 
Um, and then I didn't see her for a few weeks and I was like, okay, she was either found or hopefully she's okay, but she's back. And let me tell you, she is pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, man, for a split second, I thought your cat was giving birth. Um, no, not my cat, just a yard cat. Okay. So quite a vacation for the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Harper, you know, I don't know. It could go any number of ways, but like she took a night flight to San Francisco. She got away. She got out of this thing. He, you know, it wasn't good for her either to uh i think like i think it's hopeful because you know hopefully she figures stuff out and finds her own happiness and we know san francisco overall in the piece represents heaven Mm -hmm. as well um and that speech at the end like the way she describes the souls filling up the holes in the ozone which has been the <laughs> somebody's peeking behind you is that your wife <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was very cute um the way she describes the souls like floating up and filling these holes in the ozone because she, you know that's one of the things that has terrorized her throughout the piece um uh she you know these dark grim scary things about the world we live in um and her obsession with the ozone uh there's like a piece to it that she seems to have found of course i also you know all this stuff is like what is this representing like you know what are we seeing that's real what is not um how much of Pryor's visions are just exactly what jeffrey wright's character belize kind of says which is just like this is just God is representative of Lewis abandoning heaven. You know, like uh, the nurse is his angel. Like how much of it is just their own things and is Harper in a plane or maybe did Harper die? <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think when I first read it, yeah, I thought the plane struck me as fantasy. Yeah. Rather she's than on her way to the afterlife. Or, yeah. Which is yeah. obvious. I think this goes to a bigger question and we can maybe like filter this down as we go on but is 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 who knows if we are even the correct people to answer this but um there is an answer if i okay yeah um (laughs) is do you think tony kushner is an optimist Mm. well one thing i will say to you really quickly is that like you know the harper thing like when she was talking about uh like the souls flying up and like they they become like the particles that make that 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 repair the ozone that almost reminded me of like Leibniz and like monadology or whatever like the idea of like you know these monads uh, are like these like the uh, immutable like the, they're like the the, the, the smallest the, 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 they are the purest uh, forms of they're they're like what everything is composed of essentially according to Leibniz and Leibniz is also someone who believes in uh like a perfect world and everything is there for a reason and that god created the world perfectly kind of like what like uh would end up getting critiqued by candide you know and and candide later on by um um not montaigne by uh why am i forgetting the person who made candide Uh, moliere moliere thank you Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah uh but uh maybe no no not molly i think it's voltaire voltaire Voltaire. there we go air and air Yeah, it's an air. It's an air. It's a French air. But I think like there is like a reading of it that is like I think like 
you know, Tony Kushner is a guy who would read Leibniz and like all these philosophers and, you know, he knows what fucking phenomena, I don't know what phenomenology means, but he does. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I think like, I think there are like allusions to like, um, uh, like perhaps at least for her, it could be like this perfect world or maybe things will work and or be put into place properly. Another thing that's interesting, uh, you know what? Uh, the other thing is, more pertinent to street, but I was about to say, so I'll, I'll send it back to you, Donald. I'm throwing the ball to you. Throwing the ball. Oh, I, I'll <laughs> catch it. And um, so I think he is an optimist. Yeah. Interesting. I think okay, that, okay. and I, I know that like, you know, in my own writing and work, mm-hmm. my initial gut reaction is to kind of go to a darker answer. Yeah. And I think that when I first read the play, mm-hmm. that was my initial thought was like oh she's it's a fantasy this is a she's either like fogged in drugs and she's a, both her and joe are tragic figures but in watching it this time around and especially with the way the play ends i believe and the central message of and we will get to prior's journey mm-hmm. shortly here of him wanting more life yeah kushner believes in living the fullest life with people and um I don't think he wants, and the way he, and going even to the way he treats Roy Cohn with empathy. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's willing to just condemn Harper as a tragic figure yeah. entirely. I think that he would like a brighter, I think he wants a brighter future at the yeah. end of this, at the end of this story for everyone involved maybe even Roy Cohn, but I think that's a deeper argument. (laughs) (laughs) I agree that there's the optimism is stronger with him and with the writing and for this to be the piece that it is that heart in it is linked to optimism. Yeah. 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 So I think like, let's hope Harper is literally on a plane to San Francisco to live a, to live a fabulous uh, Republican Mormon free life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe well, who knows what she could get into. We I mean we don't know her like she like that that poor apartment that they live in. Ugh. It's like the way the set design is and the way Nichols like travels mm-hmm. through it with them. It's just like and he, the fact that Joe leaves her there in Brooklyn, very specifically like a train away from the world he actually lives in. Mm-hmm. Like it is a prison. Yeah. For yeah. her. And and I love, like, even in her opening scenes, like, she's been questioning the Mormon church. She's been questioning the Utah stuff even yeah. prior to when we meet her. Yeah. And so she could be living, like, an extraordinary brand new life that's unimaginable even. Mm-hmm. That, And I think that, yeah, let's say she did it. Like, And I think Mary Louise Parker embodies it so well that, like, because it is a hope she's hopeful there's a hopeful spark in her the whole time even when she's like in when she thinks she's in antarctica yeah and they find and the cops pull up to the park and she's at prospect park Mm -hmm. and has cut down a tree and lit it on fire (laughs) 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 there's still like hope there she's like "Uh oh i was caught but she's still like is having a good i don't know there's there's the spark there that yeah and yeah, wow. she could play it. She could, she could, it could have been a very straightforward, broken person because our, and our empathy would have been with her if that was the case. But I think by doing it this way, she makes her complicated and three dimensional. Yeah. 
in a much bigger way. Um, Mary Louise Parker was nominated for all of the awards for Best Supporting Actress mm-hmm. and won all of them. <laughs> so, yes. so another big yeah. winner in the Angels family. And uh, we stand. We stand and, Mary Louise Parker as the and, winner. And uh, deserving, uh, deserving victory. I would love if, obviously, I don't know if a part like this doesn't come around every day, but it would be great to see her because she's such a talented actor. Mm-hmm. Um, get more people. I mean, write I her think... some. Write her some fun stuff. I know she's had them. But, I have. Uh, I have no doubt that Weeds <laughs> featuring her and Justin Kirk was not yeah. somewhat. Uh, you know. I mean, I don't know. They must have at least liked this to pick them both to work together again. I uh, think. Yeah. I think Weeds is more than likely. I never saw an episode, but based on the premise alone sounds like a fine piece of light entertainment it's a fine, it's a fine <laughs> piece of light entertainment um and i mostly watched it knowing that her and justin kirk were yeah. in it and yeah. i was like okay i'm in um two of my faves from angels in america so i think you know one of my favorite scenes of hers which i think connects us to prior is that part in part one um where they go to the threshold of revelation um where she's like but i've never met you before like where she knows it doesn't make sense that even in her hallucinations it's based on something she's experienced mm-hmm. but she's like I, how would i just make you up you know um mm-hmm. and they both know it's something different that place is so beautiful oh my god yeah um oh, and it's very much uh like i mean it's a direct pull from jean cocteau's la belle la bette like the old Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast, black and white, with the hands holding the candles uh, and yeah. the faces moving in the stone, um, and they're both just like flowing and gorgeous, yeah. and, and he the oh, and one of my favorite parts of hers, and it's it devastates me every time she does it was is when she tells him like that deep down in him there's still a place that's totally free of disease. Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh yeah it's it's extraordinary and it's also i believe one of the first truly cosmic scenes yeah in the show and it sets a tone like you you just believe it yeah yeah and i it's such a magic trick in a way and you're absolutely right because like thinking back on that because i think that occurs in the first is in the first hour or the second hour it's the first hour so like when you get through it, it's such a story. Like you bringing that up right now is so it's such a moving thought. Like after you know their journey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and know kind of especially because I guess I think we're probably leaning into talking about prior, yes, momentarily here, and yeah. kind of is a great segue because his journey is so the heart of the entire piece. Like everyone yeah. gets the showy stuff. Like I am a little confused. Yeah. I think the only reason why is because Al Pacino is also in the cast. Justin Kirk, I think, should have been nominated in a lead Mm -hmm. category. Right, he was nominated across, like, supporting. Yeah, almost across the board, and mostly because he's just not—he's not as famous as Al Pacino. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) because because who is the lead in this? It's. It, uh, yeah. it's anyway. his story I mean, yeah he, he sums up the entire damn thing in the final moments when they're yeah. at the fountain yeah. you know he gets to talk to the camera which is a fucking yeah it so earned and so earned of breaking yeah. the fourth wall because like oh, yeah. why not yeah. you've done everything else bring yeah. it out to us talk to us i mean mary louise parker does too mm-hmm. in her final 
Yeah, she does too. It's a, yeah. But uh, I love it. Uh, Justin Kirk, probably the actor I, just going back through his filmography and stuff like that, I was least familiar. He mm-hmm. has not popped up in a lot of stuff that I've happened to watch. Yeah, he's done, years. I've only known a couple like comedy shows that he's been a part of other mm-hmm. than this. Um, and I wonder if he's unique. I don't know. I don't know his deal at all, but I think yeah. like it, this is clearly like when Emma Thompson comes to the ceiling and that close up of him, like, <laughs> yeah, like being yeah. shocked by it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. oh, that's the, All like, his faces. That's the, uh, yeah. the moment of his career. The filmic moment of his career yeah. probably is that moment. It's the poster mm-hmm. of the, of the entire thing. And, but he's extraordinary. And he, so good. He takes you through the journey. He is the heart of yeah. the, of the piece he's got a uh, reading up on it he was the one who struggled the most out of the entire cast with the work because he was asked to do a relatively inexperienced in terms of this kind of heavy lifting uh-huh. and this is a very hard part and yeah. he knew how much was kind of riding on him hitting yeah. it out of the park on this he's dealing with Meryl Streep and Al Pacino and yeah. all these kind of like heavy hitters yeah. and he's been given like we just said, he's the lead. Yeah. And there's a responsibility too, like a social responsibility when you're playing a part like this and presenting, mm-hmm. present, you know, in 2000, what is it, 2003, this kind of story it was not, you, you had brought this up toward the top of the show, was not really like what like a lot of Americans were sitting down on Sunday nights and learning about. This yeah. is a, a, this was a first kind of a first impression to this mm-hmm. world for a lot of Americans and a lot of people around the world probably. And he's kind of like guiding you mm-hmm. on that journey into this place. And it, a place that it doesn't seem, um, if, forgive me if this is the wrong word, but like alien to a lot of people to watch. You're connecting with it, even though it's not part of your world necessarily for a lot of these newer, newer viewers to angels in America. Like, Mm-hmm. If you aren't part of the, if you weren't living in New York in that time period, living within the, that uh, community, these communities that were truly affected by AIDS, um, I think that for a lot of people, this was their first introduction to it. And he's kind of like leading the story to that. And obviously by the end, you, if you have a heart and soul, yeah. you're incredible. Even if it was new to you, you're incredibly moved and touched and have a new uh, have a real empathy for him and yeah. his journey and going back to Kushner's optimism, just kind of the fact that he chooses to live. Yeah. At the very least, you know, you better be on board with him by the time he has these, my, my background, these two boys hanging out with him. <laughs> oh, the prior, prior oh, Walter. The, yeah. The prior, prior. Oh man. My fate, my little, oh. I love the prior, prior. I wish <laughs> yeah. I had two weird British ghosts who don't know what it means when he tells them that he's gay and and then when they see him dancing with Lewis in his fantasy (laughs) the guy's like oh he's a sodomite and they leave that's true that is Um, the powdered powdered wig guy is cool though yeah the powdered wig guy was like okay with it the other guy was like totally a bigot (laughs) yeah bad man uh, but Oh, overall, really stand the whole Christmas Carol, Prior, Prior Walter vibe. Oh my like, god, I love that. Like, that aesthetic. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, that threshold of revelation scene where mm-hmm. he's like in his ultimate drag and feeling oh, fearful so when he's feeling so sick. Um, uh, and I mentioned it has the cocktail thing, but for the first time, I noticed that the book he's reading when he falls asleep says it says cocktail mm-hmm. oh, I didn't and i was like oh they <laughs> gave a very direct i mean it was already a very direct <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was like oh they, they, they made it very clear i mean wow mike nichols you know started improv here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but um yeah from the jump like he's one of the first characters we meet uh we meet him and lewis right away mm-hmm. the way he tells lewis yeah he uses uh humor as kind of his defense Mm -hmm. mechanism because we we find out obviously how scared he is and how awful what he's going through is that apartment is really nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) their apartment is huge and fancy it's Um, mike nichols he would not allow for a non-fancy apartment (laughs) i was like how do they afford this apartment which one of them is this rich (laughs) yeah Yeah. One of them, I guess, it was prior. is a uh, minor. Prior comes from yeah, it must be prior because it's yeah. not Lewis. Because I'm a legal yeah. assistant, and I yeah. can, I don't think I can afford yeah. that place. And the place <laughs> that he lives after is not as tiny, you know. So yeah. it's definitely prior. Prior Walters. I mean, he obviously comes from money. The ghosts mm-hmm. are rich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rich damn ghosts. <laughs> and he money. like talks about him being like, um, you know, the, their family's been here the whole time. This country's mm-hmm. been here, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, She's such a beautiful way of putting yeah. this character who, to I think, you know, because he's gay and has AIDS, like kind of like ostracized by like the Reaganite community. Yeah. And it's like, no, they've been here the forever. Yeah. They are a part of the American, the fabric of the, he is a part of the fabric of the United States yeah. and should be treated as such, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I mean, what a role, like really highs and lows, devastating, uh, devastating sickness mm-hmm. bouts, like um, a harder scene to watch than uh, up there with like Philadelphia of like yeah. the first time he goes to the hospital when it's getting bad. Um, it, and, and Lewis, his lover, leaves him right away lewis child. can't deal a, with yeah. thickness and stuff and fails him he leaves him when he's passed out in the hospital after that first bat he tell his nurse is emma thompson and he's like if he wakes up uh tell him tell him tell him i said goodbye yeah it's lewis is lewis takes a long time to reveal to kind of like outside of any of the characters he's like the last one you kind of turn a corner on yeah to being feeling empathy for i mean prior is you feel empathy for him from the jump he's i mean you're in prior's corner right away oh, you're yes. just like um yeah and and they like are very unsparing with like the horrors of what he's dealing with like, they, they need to be it's yeah. Intense. yeah they need to be yeah it's intense like it's very intense in a good in a necessary way um and then and, there's this brightness too, oh, like yeah, the, you know, like the I mean, and a humor to 
him getting a hard on anytime the angel approaches. So wild. Like, what is this? Like, what? And the biggest boner I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Comical. Yeah, uh, comically big. Comically big. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love, I love that he has a whole thing of garlic. What an insane prop to have. <laughs> the one moment where it's like, okay, this isn't a cartoon. You can drop the garlic. <laughs> Just give him well, one think, clove. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Ruha, um, Something Patrick and I also talked about before we jumped on was uh, the comedy elements overall of this. And I was telling Patrick, I didn't, this might be my kind of Dawn initial reaction always goes to the dark, serious side of things. But I didn't, the comedy didn't land ex- like greatly for me because I was kind of involved in kind of the seriousness of everything that was going on. And I don't, I think Mike Nichols with his background as an improviser with his the majority of his work being in kind of the light comedy realm outside yeah. of the occasional silk silkwood or something um it felt a little broad to me like the boner and that kind of stuff but yeah at the same time like we need to know that prior is this kind of in a different world where he isn't sick he's this incredibly vibrant funny I see him as like a center of the room kind of guy. Yeah. And we need to see that that hasn't been extinguished from him. So I think that may be just my dumb first reading of the humor. It definitely isn't a thing where you're like, this is a comedy. (laughs) It's not a comedy at all. Um, But there are really great moments of lightheartedness and comedy and certain deliveries Mm -hmm. that are just like, ooh, like, I don't know if this is comedy or drama or what it is, but it is, it just touches on these different, uh, whether it's like, wow, this is so over the top or, uh, yeah, it definitely dances around Mm -hmm. a lot. The boner is a little ridiculous, but um, (laughs) like, I don't even know if that's the most comic but the boner to me is not so much comedy as it is just like it's this excitement that he has in this like just the link that being the link to the angel. I guess it is a pretty dumb joke. Like I know. <laughs> well, I like I like that too though because I think like sometimes we forget that like I don't know like I think a lot of people associate like classic serious like. There's like this like a uh, thing in American culture where I think we like desexualize yeah. a lot of serious stuff and like things that are great works of art. Like we take the sex out of it, we take the uh, you know we 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 add that puritanical aspect to it. And you know if you look back at like Roman stuff or ancient Greek stuff, like there's a lot of piss and shit and cum. Like it's like a well, like, Patrick, I like, know you love piss, shit, and cum. That's true. Mm-hmm. Those are my I know three, that. that yeah. Those are my three classic yeah. uh, go-tos. But like, it's yeah. like I don't classic know, like, Greek, Patrick. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> me, the little piss boy. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, well, but, I would uh, not start that. Our listenership will start a hashtag on that, Patrick. No, no, no. If there is a hashtag, hashtag little piss boy, little piss boy. If I see hashtag little piss boy. I'm gonna be nettled. Don't do. Don't nettle me. Okay. Don't, okay. Don't, don't nettle me, audience. But yeah, there is a lot of good sex in this. Yeah, um, but it's like there's, yeah, some, no, but it's, there's some dark moment. I mean, there's also like one of the darkest sex scenes I've ever seen. Lewis with the stranger in the park, who's also oh played by God. Justin. Yeah. Um, Insane. And uh, yeah, I guess we are me. heading toward the, yeah. uh, the with the we've we've covered all the actors who didn't do a lot of doubling. 
yeah. Justin Kirk is, yeah. I believe, our first actor we've talked about who did some, um, who he did plays a, a multiple did roles. A he did a double. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they do subtle doubling by the very end. Yes. Then you're like, oh, okay, everybody's sort of a double. But yeah. um, Justin Kirk does sneak in as uh, the stranger uh, leather daddy in, <laughs> in the, the park, park. in yeah. Central Park at night. Um, Lives with his parents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. But I mean, like, that's the and brilliance of it is that so character good. could that have character been a surface is character. Good. That character, yeah. no, that character rules. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, they have an inner life too. What a, yeah. what a great job. Um, but one of the funniest lines in the whole thing, to me, one of the funniest moments is um, at Justin Kirk when he's telling Belize about like when he's first like, an angel came to me. And Belize was like, what the fuck? And he's describing the angel coming and they have sex. Um, we see this like, yes. and that's one of those moments where I'm like, I don't know what this is. This isn't drama, it isn't comedy, but this angel on fire oh having sex God. with him is yeah. something else. It's so beyond. I'm glad um, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's like, it's cool in a good, yeah. like, it's just like, yeah. Ah. yeah. And then he like comes out of it and Belize is like, you had sex with her, you know? And he's like, well, you know, angels are intersex and- uh, Yeah, eight vaginas, multiple and lines. She has yeah. eight vaginas. The funniest part of the whole movie to me is the way Jeffrey Wright mouths eight. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a genius Jeffrey Wright is. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that, that moment, ooh, so good. Um, yeah, and also when Justin Kirk, you know, he'd really like we see him very sick, we see him healthier back and forth. Um, his whole era of starting to wear like black hooded clothes his, as the as the prophet, Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh my god, I love it! It's so good. He is just like <laughs> Star Wars. He, he totally leans in on being the dramatic prophet. It's like, I'm going to wear a cloak yeah. and we're going to go has, with it. He has a red cane and I'm like, it looks like it's a yeah. lightsaber. Like this, <laughs> this is a Star Wars Darth. Yeah. Yeah. You are and and Lewis is like, what are you wearing? When yeah. Lewis wants to see it again. It's like, what Lewis is like, oh, I had something to say, but you've taken a turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and when Lewis tells him about the dude and all the parts that land, because we already know, but the way every part lands mm. with uh, Pryor's character of like a gay Republican, and then he just still doesn't know he's a Mormon. And, he, and then when, oh, he, yeah, follows when he follows him, him. and yeah. he goes in and he's like, Mormon? A gay Republican Mormon? Like, <laughs> this is who Lewis left me for? I love it that he's more offended. <laughs> That he is angry he's just like yeah. what that's awful <laughs> it's almost like it, it is the, that's that like borderline comedy ish yeah of like it, yeah it's almost just like i think there's what? an understanding though that <laughs> kushner and nichols have that life isn't all a complete and utter darkness tragedy mm-hmm. but it isn't all just like a light romp in the summer it's like you know yeah i mean there, there will be funny with, moments yeah. No with something what. with this much tension, that tension needs to break yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're aware that this isn't like wild, what they're doing. They're, they haven't seen yeah. where the, a dude, a gay man with AIDS, has sex with an angel. Yeah. That's on fire. Yeah. yeah. Like, that is inherently like, whoa, okay, that's like mm-hmm. outside the realm of like just like a dower chamber piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
but it's necessary because it creates gives us this wonderful like again this magical world that you want to live in that yeah. he wants to live in like the entire idea it's like at the end of the, at the end of it the simplicity of meeting friends for a picnic for a birthday mm-hmm. in the park is kind of like if you're all the grandiosity of six hours it's like that's actually kind of the at your favorite place in the park it's like yeah that is at the end of the day telling the message. us all about bethesda yeah <laughs> and the fountain of bethesda that heals them and that hannah's like read that in the new millennium the water will flow again yeah. and she'll take prior there yeah it's, be- say- it's absolutely beautiful and like i come out of it like i know that he's he's deathly ill but there's this like you yeah. come out of it with this hopefulness like oh you know he's gonna beat it be- beat the odds or whatever and he'll he'll be okay he'll be okay yeah yeah he seems at peace and i will say early i, I tried to say this earlier and i uh He's got a great mature look at the end of the glasses, oh. too. Oh, it's such a good, it's such a good look. And yeah. and the good summary of, like, I've been living with AIDS for five years. Mm-hmm. That's six months longer than I lived with Lewis. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. challenging it every, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think they should recreate Friends, and they should be the four friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pitch it. Yeah, yeah. Friend, yeah pitch like, it. Pitch HBO it. Max is just, like... Both Friends and Angels in America are currently on HBO Max, so That's there's true. a natural yeah. pipeline yeah, to natural. this crossover. <laughs> yeah. I, guess, I, guess, I guess that would make uh, Lewis Ross? I don't know. Wow, don't the, know. The, fr- the, the Friends minds would be, because this is almost concurrent timeline-wise. Maybe a Friends starts a few years after this fountain meeting. But... Yeah, Lewis <laughs> would be Ross, and yeah. Pryor would be rachel um (laughs) even though i don't know if we're rooting for them to get back together i don't think we are no (laughs) but that is like that is like the best part is that they're not back together yeah they just found peace they are friends yes uh it was so nice it's great they have love but they're never gonna be together yeah Yeah. because something did happen they have forgiveness in their hearts but they can't go that far again yes yeah in, a, in like a weaker film too, they would have come yes. back together. In a in weaker a, story, they absolutely would have. Yeah. And I, I hooted and hollered when that happened. Oh, I, I like, bet you did. I took yeah. off my cowboy hat and I shot my my guns. <laughs> yeah, because right away when Lewis is like, I do want to come back at the very end. Yeah. Prior is like, like never. the first thing he says is, I love you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I love you, Lewis. And we're not. And we're never getting back yeah. together. Yeah. And it's right. It's, it is the right journey for lewis who does have kind of a rocky arc yeah. but a beautiful a be- oh, yeah. i, I a really beautiful love arc. the arc that lewis has because he could be what he does is pre- like least tells him so mm-hmm. pretty unforgivable yeah. <laughs> like we, yeah uh, should we go down the, the um hole? just just yeah let's, in a moment here um <laughs> so interestingly enough uh, Justin Kirk was nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Emmys. Mm. Was the only cast member not nominated? No, uh, he Emma Thompson was not nominated as well for the Golden Globes. But I'm genuinely a little perplexed why Justin Kirk wasn't yeah. nominated. He is the heart and kind of foundation of the play. I think he has. I mean, usually, I mean... usually these academy these branches like would dial in just for the physical stuff <laughs> like to give him i mean like for the he, emmys he, for the emmys to recognize and not the golden globes is, is weirdly surprising mm-hmm. um but also you know in a year where the golden globes 
did not recognize I may destroy you. I'm like, I have no faith in the Golden Globes. Well, I mean, <laughs> our show is called the Academy Academy, but um, these are stupid trade shows. We've yeah. given them a lot of credit, but these are a lot of excuses for people to pat themselves on the yeah. back. And they sometimes set- they get it right. Sometimes it is a brilliant thing, but they occasionally massively the- overlook. Yeah. But yeah. we want to give a special, like, I'm talking directly to Justin Kirk right now, who I know is listening. Yeah, we think we think we think we think you roll. You might not have been nominated for that, Gigi, but you we are giving you an Academy Academy Award for being for doing a terrific job in this. We wish much like Mary Louise Parker. I would love to see you in more things. Mm -hmm. And uh, you killed it in this part. Mm, And the winner is Justin Kirk. Yes. So and Justin. Oh, I know we talked about if you want to come on the show oh, and talk yeah. about your experiences, we would freaking love to have you. Yeah. Even some weeds chat. We'll get we'll get in the the, the weeds with you. Yeah. I will wa- I will watch an episode of Weeds. We'll get for the damn the, weeds for the interview. But um, I watched all of Weeds and Justin, we know you're an avid listener of the podcast. Yes. And- and right now you're probably pretty excited that you've come up. Uh, yeah. Just feel free to reach out. It's yeah. it's an honor just to be mentioned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's terrific. And I think it's, it's kind of surprising almost that he seems almost was underrated in the moment yeah. um, for the, for the wonderful job he does on the show in a very moving kind of certainly the emotional foundation of the, of the story. Um, but moving on to uh, Lewis, played by Ben Shankman, uh, much like Justin Kirk and Patrick Wilson, Ben Shankman was coming off of kind of an extensive young Broadway background, theater background. Yeah. Uh, they him, were him, Wilson, and Justin Kirk. This is the first thing I saw any of them. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of their introduction. One of the I think it was Shankman was telling a story that they took a like a cast photo for it. And uh, they, they, it was like on a tiered stand and Meryl Streep, Emma Thompson and Al Pacino were on the top row. Mary Louise Parker and Jeffrey Wright were in the middle and the three of them yeah. were on the bottom. And they're like, yeah, that kind of Absolutely. Up, kind of where we were at our careers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, I can't, is, argue, I can't argue with accurate. this placement. Where was James, and where was James Cromwell? I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Taller than everybody. I guess like six, seven. <laughs> they, they had just him in the eighth angel get up. They had him, yeah, he's on a, on a rope, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Ben Shankman does some really tremendous stuff here with a character mm-hmm. that we've brought it up a few times, could be highly unsympathetic. And, yeah. um, and like you do hate, but at the same time love. He is, a, he is actually like an actually guy personified. Like he's yeah. read all the books. He will come at you. Well, yeah, he would have hit me hard. Actually, that's Voltaire earlier <laughs> yeah. on yeah. in the episode. He, he, he knows would, everything. He, would, he, he wants to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he wants a bit to of a school you on politics <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Twitter did not exist yet when yeah. Lewis is presented in this, but yeah. Twitter, Lewis would be a premier poster if. Uh, and he would have gotten uh, some trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he does. Like, he's not only unlikable for the thing he does to Pryor, which is 
which He's is annoying. despicable. Yeah. He yeah. also knows how despicable it is, which then you're like, okay. Uh, he he's tries like torturing to... himself so much about it. Like, well, he says at one point, like, it's no fun to like d- torture you, Lewis, because you torture yourself more than anyone yeah. can. Um, but his conversation with police, like the first time when they go to that like diner or whatever, uh, and and he does say things that you're just like, dude. <laughs> like, there's he, no race issue in America, I believe, is one of yeah. He Louis's, is coming Louis's at things lines. in a very realistic, yeah. asshole intellectual oh, point yeah. of view. He's yeah. read all of the books. Yeah. He has intellectualized everything. Yeah. He has experienced and lived nothing, and. And he's pissed off because he thinks he's smarter than everyone he works with. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's got this low-level job, but he's working with people like Joe, who has intellectualized nothing in his entire life. And he's read all of the books, and he thinks he has all of the answers. And when he's presented with a genuine emotional conundrum, he runs away mm-hmm. the first chance he can get, and then tries to justify it through intellectualism. But Pryor's right, you just need scars. Yeah. And until he gets his ass I mean, kicked. He, he justifies it that he's like kind of a germaphobe. Like he's creeped out. He's always been creeped out by hospitals and ooze and blood. You know, he's like, he can't deal with it, but. But that's such an like, easy. Deal with it. Yeah. It's like, so like. You can't do that to the person you're in love with. And my guess is that this comes from perhaps a personal experience that Tony Kushner witnessed among someone he knew. Yeah. Like because uh, it feels realistic it's unfortunate but it feels realistic that somebody that somebody abandons someone would ab- yeah um, and you know many 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 people who suffered with aids in that time were abandoned mm-hmm. were alone dying in these hospitals yeah. there was a famous i'm blanking on her name now but sort of she got sort of uh well known a nurse who like took care of a, a lot of uh, dying men and had tried to contact their families and they didn't you know because like we said this was still groundbreaking to see these stories covered and families like wanted nothing to do with their family if they were dying of AIDS they disowned them for being gay and sick with the disease they thought they deserved it it was terrible yeah um there was this nurse the the story I'm thinking of she uh she had inherited a cemetery from her family and she ended up using it to wow. like properly bury all these it's people a beautiful she had story. cared for who who died and and she would be with them in the end so that it wouldn't be alone um but it is painfully common although in the play priors like everyone else got someone to take care of them i'm stuck mm-hmm. with you yeah you know yeah it's, it's so it's it's so sad and it kind of gets you off on a, a tough note with the character but with the kind of depth of the six hours we get so by the end mm-hmm. like and i think it, you know when he does come into the hospital and belize invites him in to uh speak over roy cohen's body and then then follow that up with the big fight with joe yeah um or i'm not sure the order i think the fight i think with joe the fight with joe earlier oh. Actually, it, it's probably after because he's not, he doesn't have his black eye yet. Oh, okay. Do. Oh, no, was, he does. I, he does. He does. Because he takes off the sunglasses, right? Yeah. And I think Belize gives him a little, like, what yeah. happened to you kind yeah. of moment. Yeah. Um, that is also one of the funniest parts is after he does that prayer and 
Billy says whatever he says, like he's like, Oh, okay, you did pretty good. He's like, Pretty good. That's fucking miraculous. Yeah, yeah, that is funny. <laughs> it is so in character that he's just like, No, dude, that was like because <laughs> yeah. he saw something happen. He was like, I didn't know that. Yeah. All of a sudden he's like repeating it along with Ethel Rosen. Yeah. <laughs> he's very clear he walks in he's like i'm a secular jew i never even went to a bar mitzvah like yeah. you know, and, yeah. <laughs> but I it, hot dogs and, and even at the end though i it's so realistic that even at the fountain at the end you do get the vibe that Lee still thinks he's kind of full of shit mm-hmm. like he's never gonna find like give in and be like oh we're gonna be best buddies or something like that like they're just like they are kind of always going to be rubbing against there's always going to be some friction between the two of them because even in the end lewis is a handful he's still pretentious he's still like that's not going to be stripped away from him yeah but he does but yes but he does he does hit a rock bottom in a sense and kind of he does mature yeah at the very least by the end Mm -hmm. of the at the end of the piece and you know, the way he plays and Ben Shankman has like the right kind of look on his face that he's um both likable but a little like he's got he's one of those actors who seems like they're up to something like he has something behind their eyes at all times so you're like what are you really getting at here a little bit you know and I I like that in a lot of actors and I like it in him yeah but I think he um his arc is great and it again shows Kushner's ability to um bring empathy and sympathy to people who don't yeah. necessarily earn it right away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, to the, the, another great complicated character. Yeah, yeah. I really, and, and he- And his scenes, the way, the way his little rants, like his conversations with police are some of my <laughs> favorite scenes. <laughs> and Jeffrey Wright's just infinite patience yeah. in God, those scenes. Yeah. So he's just sitting there, he's eating his food. He's kind of like, all right, and you get the feeling like this is not a new conversation. Yeah, they've had it's just in, kind of been updated to this moment. But he's mm-hmm. probably sat at a diner with the three of them. Prior mm-hmm. was probably there too, listening to Lewis endlessly pontificate yeah. about his theories on everything in the country yeah. and like. Yeah, and then they're seen in the pouring rain. But oh in the yeah, park by the Bethesda Angel statue. One of my favorite Jeffrey Wright scenes yeah. in the uh, in the play, or I keep wanting to call it a play, but a movie. It play. is all these things. <laughs> this is a version of the play. This is a a, a rare miniseries production of a play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Ben Shankman was uh, nominated for both Golden Globe and Emmy uh-huh. for Best Supporting and, Actor and? for this, and he did not win. And he did not win. Okay. Because as we transition and we want to, you know, into our next character, who is our eventual winner, it is Jeffrey Wright. Heck yeah, played it Belize. is. Belize among the uh, Belize among, you know, he played multiple. Belize, Mr. Lies. Yeah, one of the angels. Um, one of the angels. Um, also, I don't know if he was playing an actual on-house person in Prospect Park and no mm-hmm. longer Mr. Lies, just at that moment when Harper is getting he may arrested. have I think he yeah. may have I think he was there yeah. but he he was um, there I don't know if we're supposed to believe it's still Mr. Lies just look but it also seems like no this is just an unhoused yeah. person that uh, yeah. she's been hanging out with. <laughs> like, the 
that she thinks is Mr. <laughs> yeah. Lies, but uh, it's actually this person. Go to go uh, along um, <laughs> with the question of what's real and what isn't with Harper at all times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he um, he's one of the most extraordinary actors going. Just yeah. every he's one of those people who, whenever they show up, whether it's in a Bond movie or on Westworld or a Jim Jarmusch film or just oh, yeah. all across the board. He's always interesting. He always mm-hmm. brings like a real level of truth and yeah. honesty to all of his performances. He is the only, uh, should, I should say Ben Shankman never acted, never played Lewis on Broadway, but he did play Lewis on stage in okay. San Francisco. And he also did a, in the early nineties when he was a graduate student at NYU in theater, uh, Kushner brought the initial version of this to do as like a test reading, and Ben Shankman played Roy Cohn in the original oh. test reading of it. Oh, what I would give to see that! Yes, reading. <laughs> and we could see that at some point with one of these. I, I have a feeling you might see that someday in a revival, either Justin Kirk or Ben Shankman playing oh, yeah. Cohn later yeah. on. Yeah, um. I'd be fascinated to see Justin Kirk in particular play Roy Cohn, play mm. like in his when he uh, around sixty or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Jeffrey Wright played this part on Broadway. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who was a crossover. He said that while he felt safe that he would get the part in the TV version, he also said that if he didn't, and sets started miraculously burning down. You might want to look. You might want to look his way as the possible suspect. He for knew burning. it was his part. <laughs> yeah, it, he he. I mean, we mentioned the word ownership of these roles earlier. Uh, I would say he owns. Oh yeah, this, this and character he's in this part. Major, even though he's not, he's not like the main character. Prior technically is. I feel like he's a major heartbeat bloodline of. The he world. doesn't change necessarily like the other characters do but yeah. he's the conscious of the yeah. of the of the world because he's the one who he's kind of right up in most situations yes like, yeah i'm <laughs> always on his side yeah, yeah. like yeah yeah he, you know he that might make him a little less complicated but i think you need oh, a truth sayer him. who's like yeah. standing there with his arms crossed in the background shaking his head like uh you know this is yeah. what's actually going on well, I yeah. think the complication with his character too comes from the fact that he's like the one that like most like interacts with the world and has to deal with like these mer- oh. oh. Okay. Okay, we were talking about um Jeffrey Wright and Belize, yes. I believe when we left off, we had a quick technical break. Uh, but bad. um might as well just keep we'll, we'll keep Jeffrey in mind as we continue on here, but we should probably talk about the tear shit as we were just talking about. Um, you know, crying. This is this is a, very emotional. Yeah. All of this, and you know, you should feel free to cry while watching something like this. I think. Um, I cry so, so many times. I cry so many times throughout this. Not just the ending for me. Um, and I tear up like it really gut punches me over and over again mm-hmm. so many parts that we've already brought up are devastating <laughs> when Pryor tells Lewis that he's sick that for even though he's like disarming with comedy it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. um, that moment with him and Harper that gets me every time um, and his response of you know to her telling him that like 
there's a part deep inside him completely and totally free of disease. And he's like, I can't believe prior, it. Prior speech to the angels, or he yeah. says he wants to, to leave and go back and he doesn't want to be a prophet. It's yeah. um, such a moving. It's so powerful. Like, really takes ownership and does this great summary of, like, why he wants to live and why their plan is bad and that people can't stop moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind yeah. of amazing for all of the complications of Kushner's play. He does lay out the central thing yeah, in a line right there in that moment. But, you know, thinking back on Belize and very emotional experiences of this era in art, um, Belize also reminded me in a way of Nurse Phil in Magnolia, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character who's taking care of um, Jason Robards, who's just sweet and wants to help out and kind of sees every, like everyone else are having these um, incredibly emotional journeys and breakdowns. And this is a guy who just wants to do his job well and cares for people. He already, he doesn't need to learn empathy yeah. or emotion like um, the characters in Magnolia, but I also, you know, frankly, somebody like Lewis yeah. yeah, this needs to be taught what it truly like. You know, they use the scar metaphor, but um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I guess the, the boy here's a philosopher, Patrick, Mister Philosophy. Oh, yeah. um, like, you know, are you born with inherent empathy, or is it a learned trait? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think. I think it's something that everyone is capable of, except for perhaps, you know, even Roy Cohen maybe has a deep down, buried, buried deep inside. But, um, you know, Lewis's amazing journey is kind of being taught what it means to hear other people. Yeah. Yeah. And not prioritize himself. What he does is incredibly selfish. Yes. That he, that he's uneasy at all. So he just leaves. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting how Kushner yeah. presents it because it's like he has to be told by Belize twice. Yeah. In the diner scene and the rain scene, exactly who he is. But it really isn't until he gets beat up and then has to then gets possessed by the spirit yeah. of Ethel Rosenberg that he really truly like you know yeah. understands it. He has to experience it. Like mm-hmm. it can't be like it's odd for someone who's learned everything from books and others experiences that until he feels something himself he can't he can't even listen when told those experiences do sort of break his own false sense like it it seems like he's so fragilely trying to protect his sense of security like that's why he can't deal with anything right because he's already so insecure and fragile but those uh sorry is there an echo happening or is it just me i thought i yeah, I hear you yeah, echo a little bit. Yeah, I heard you echo too. Oh yeah, <laughs> there, there it is. It's your. Uh, you need to. Ha- you have, do you have headphones by any chance, uh, Don? Um, I'll track some down. Yeah, no worries. We'll keep okay. going. We'll keep. Uh, and we're back. We got folks. The, uh, what was I saying? That Lewis. Uh, um. Ooh, yeah. Basically, like he. Uh, I feel like he. It, it breaks him when like. Belize tells him how wrong he is in that pouring rain scene in the park yes. and 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 exposes that he's been with this guy he doesn't know who is you know who tells him he's Roy Cohn's butt boy oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 then he does this dive into like who have I been spending my time with he's horrified 
mm-hmm. and and then he confronts him and gets beat up by him all and then that experience in the hospital with that miraculous moment i feel like all this sort of like shook lewis up in a way he was so scared to be shaken up and then he got shaken up and that helps him yeah oh totally well and i think yeah. the thing too is that like uh his character more than any other character in the uh show or in the this miniseries is able to navigate the the murky depths of like what reality really is like i think the thing like i think lewis's biggest problem is like weirdly enough is that he sees the world so black and white uh which leads to his guilt makes him you know and leads uh and also uh kind of like uh prevents him from functioning and like helping i don't know like i, I think like the yeah. fact that like like mr no, uh, that belief but that believes can like uh he's he, he can tolerate a cone in the way that lou cannot in order to do something for the greater good yeah and i think that's like the thing that's fascinating about his character like he has like a willingness to deal with like horrible things in ways that other characters probably would not yeah belize is like this nurse who is on the aids floor mm-hmm. of his hospital um i mean just the patience he has with lewis who oh god yeah <laughs> not his friend like he's prior's friend and he's there even though they like fight he still shows up for him and like goes through it with him and and has enough care to like kind of tell him who he is like in this truthful way where he's not just trying to be mean to him he is like i i know you love my friend but this is how you're being shitty and like i'm gonna be (laughs) honest with you and jeffrey right as valise's first scene with roy in the hospital when roy's first admitted i mean just how he deals with james cromwell talking to him you know he brings him a chart that he's on the wrong floor because roy's insisted that everything official says he has liver cancer (laughs) and he's like you're on the wrong floor dude um and james cromwell's like why are you dressed like this (laughs) oh yeah james cromwell yeah on (laughs) suddenly it seems like he's playing like the dean of a college in like (laughs) an 80s college romp uh but it's clear to him and then he sees who it is he you know there's immediate recognition of who roy Cohn is and and roy Cohn, besides that shows him exactly who he is he's just monstrous to him right away and he deals with him with such like control and empathy from the start and care even mm-hmm. he still is like well you're still a human that i'm gonna take care of gives him life-saving tips right away Roy Cohn asked him, why are you doing this? And he's like, I wish I knew. Uh, yeah. How's that? Yeah, yeah. there we go. You're back. listeners, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, this, this podcast is held together by just sheer love and passion. We have yeah. no technical abilities whatsoever, <laughs> starting with me. Um, uh, I guess, and I'm guessing, no technical ability to just edit it out later. Oh <laughs> uh, no! It's- ask, ask Patrick. The, the listeners desire the nuts and bolts of a unprofessional operation between two passionate street, passionate street heads. Um, but what I was gonna, what I was thinking, um, everyone in this, except maybe Belize, 
has like a protective layer that mm-hmm. and the one of the big themes is all of them kind of having to face that not being there and walk out kind of naked in a sense from that whether it's joe's kind of um repression or lewis's um intellectual yeah. ramblings or um even Pryor's humor um i think they all do and they all need it kind of even and roy too mm-hmm. roy roy all of his bluster it's like he still needs his mom to sing to him or <laughs> see you know, yeah. like the end of it oh and uh, we should mention streep sings if you thought she was going to get out of a production and not singing she's singing oh yeah no 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 it's like you wonder if streep is one of those um actors that is like christopher walken where like what's like the rumor with christopher walken that supposedly he has like a clause in his like contract where he must dance in like every performance he's every film he's in or something i I remember i remember someone telling me that in college i think that's um, not true but it's it's like uh in uh van halen's Rider in the seventies and eighties, he could oh, yeah. no brown M and M's. Yeah, were allowed. That's a famous, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as Hans Streeps is singing, they uh, but um, but yeah, I think Jeffrey Wright kind of like if Pryor's character is the um, kind of the kind of the driving force and heart mm-hmm. of yeah. the piece, it believes is the kind of the grounded soul. Oh yeah. yeah, of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's the only character who, I guess we kind of brought this. He's fully actualized. Yeah. yeah. From the moment we meet him. Yeah. Like he doesn't have like, whatever he has learned, the changes in his life to put him at this position. Yeah. Happened before we met him. Yeah. Yes. I feel like if Pryor's the heart, he is the heartbeat. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Oh man. I loved the grounded soul of it too. It mm-hmm. is just like this deep. And what a what a great moment too is the that you brought up of Roy Cohen asking, why are you helping me? Yeah. And it's just because it's in character. He that's why he is so taken aback when Lewis isn't going to stay mm-hmm. and help prior. He's like this is what people do. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who stays for Roy Cohn. <laughs> like, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, a true enemy to me in a variety of what he hates about police isn't just one thing. It's a variety of things that he yeah. hates about him. And the fact that he stands up to that hatred willingly because he's yeah. a decent because he's a decent person. And Belize doesn't roll over either. He, no. he has control and grace in every interaction with Roy. He he's holds funny his and ground. Gives him, he's and funny he, and gives yeah, him lip. And he gives know? it right back to him. And he's oh, just man. like, he has the power in all those scenes. Mm-hmm. Roy's desperately trying to grab it and assert himself. But the person with the actual power is Belize. Which surprises um, Roy. And I think yeah. almost impresses Roy in a, in a truly honest moment yeah like he's like oh this guy is not a pushover yeah even when he gets him to give him the azt the first time before he like takes it after he dies um like yeah Yeah. (laughs) he's met a real negotiator he's met a real you know uh a hustler in the same vein as roy and roy i mean the only reason roy has that azt is because he gave you that tip to like (laughs) insist on getting it i mean come on and roy has the power and you have zero appreciation 
so I yeah. pulled priors down the hall. Yeah. Certainly not. Certainly nowhere near. Yeah. And we and we know that because we yeah. had that scene where Pryor visited uh, Emma Thompson's nurse character, and we got a rundown of just how bad his body's turning on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and then we cut to Roy, and Roy's getting the getting the good stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just just a fridge filled. With, it's like it's like the way that like you know, I wish I wish that I had a mini fridge filled with Coke Zero. Yeah. This guy with, like, with a lock yeah. and key. Yeah. <laughs> the lock and key. Yeah. That's that's my opulent. And Belize ah. says to him blatantly, like, you will never be able to take all these. Yeah. Like, let me take some for other people who need them. And Roy's just like, just a bottle. Just oh, a God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy, 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 just you know, history of being a truly generous person. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care about anyone yeah. else. I mean, <laughs> he's more selfish than Lewis. Oh man. Uh, shit. So, I think that you brought, you brought up the nurse. Should we? Let's, I think that's the second to last one um, before the big. Yeah, I mean, we may, we mentioned Jeffrey Wright. You know, defines this part. He won all the supporting actor mm-hmm. awards for this part. He, um, Chino, so. rightfully, yeah, said, uh, you know, shouted him out saying, "This is, this is who you want as a scene partner and yeah. someone to help you to guide you through these moments." Pacino like, said that about Jeffrey Wright. He said, "He said the great." Jeffrey Wright was how he described him in wow. the Nichols book. And um, Damn. he's right. He's absolutely yeah. correct about him. I saw p- pictures of uh, on-set photos of uh, Jeffrey Wright with Daniel Craig in the new Bond movie that's coming out. And they both look like studs. So, you know, I mean, who, who isn't excited about that? A couple of hunks, Patrick. Oh, that's the big, my hunk a meter is off the chart. for those two fellas. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, moving on to one of the many roles, Emma Thompson, definitely like, much like Streep, is uh, doing a lot of utility work. A lot. In this. Yeah. Uh, you know, anything that is asked of her, she's, you know, hitting, hitting home runs. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, she gets, yeah, a lot of different characters that nurse. That, so I guess we could start with her nurse we first meet her as the nurse right character yes oh and it should be mentioned uh she was coming off of doing wit with mike nichols right before this the um another theater adaptation that won them a lot and kind of was a um big shot in the arm creatively for mike nichols moving Mm. forward because he had been in a bit of a if you look at some of his films (laughs) that he made in this previous time period they were iffy in their reception he hadn't directed on broadway either up until 01 he did a production of the seagull with uh-huh. uh, all-star cast with uh kevin klein our uh, academy academy favorite kevin klein i should say yeah uh meryl streep natalie portman chris walken philip seymour hoffman just a murderer's row cast that he had for the seagull <laughs> what a dream to watch <laughs> I've never uh, been to like that yeah. caliber of live theater ever. I don't think. <laughs> Maybe I will my, someday. <laughs> my, my my brother lives in New York, and he's had a chance to see a few things that he just calls me about. He's like, "Yeah, I just saw, I just saw True West with Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano," and I was like, "Well, that sounds good." <laughs> like, you know, yeah. So, and how good was that? Yeah. But, <laughs> I saw, probably, the second run of, I saw the second run of Spongebob the Musical. Yeah, probably pretty good, <laughs> I imagine. Like, 
I saw, yeah. I saw some like checkoff play at the Geffen with like Annette Benning in the 90s and you know Damn. that was good you know yeah. like, yeah. and I saw Rent on Broadway with Joey Fatone and that's about it for me what's that uh, the coolers Joey Fatone yeah, this this goes to show my uh, UCB bona fides, I guess. The only the only show I have actually seen on Broadway was Oh Hello. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I think Rent- it was awesome. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but <laughs> I might have seen one other thing on Broadway, but not like a Broadway musical. I think Rem might be the only one. And I've seen other great productions at like UCLA or in. LA of things but nothing with like an all-star cast like you randomly hear of mostly happening on Broadway right yeah Yeah. and I think only someone like Nichols could like persuade you know them to work for nothing in a Broadway you know show in the park because their entire thing was they wanted to do something that like everybody could go to of course it was one of those things you had to line up eight hours beforehand to get into unless you were unless you were rich and famous and friends with them and then you got in everyone can go it is hard (laughs) in theory yeah but But, um, (laughs) and it is still a lot easier if you're rich and friends (laughs) and um nichols had also done um primary colors with emma thompson where emma Uh thompson played the thinly veiled hillary clinton role in that one um was that before this yes that was in the like 98 ish yeah okay uh toward the end of the clinton administration Uh and uh from what i understand the monica Lewinsky story broke about three weeks before primary colors opened which Mm. they all decided they're like "Ooh, this might not be good (laughs) and they were right um and you know and they said um I read that Emma Thompson decidedly wanted to play someone completely different. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to do an impression, whereas John Tavolta um, decided to lean in very, very hard right. on an impression. On an impression. Yeah, of, of Clinton. Yeah. Uh, I never saw the movie. I you know. I remember it was a huge I deal back have, then. I don't remember. I might have. But, but the key thing is in this story is that Emma Thompson and Mike Nichols developed a fine Working and respectful working relationship <laughs> and I, she was part of the initial package that they brought to hbo because mm-hmm. nichols had already had pacino and streep and thompson on board when they yeah, brought I this mean, to hbo of course to sell something like this also interesting um throughout the entire 90s it kushner was working with robert altman to try and make oh. this into a film that they were going to do two three hour movies and mm-hmm. naturally the i think it was new line they were working with was a little um concerned about the commercial viability of two three-hour movies on yeah. this subject matter in the mid-90s uh well, in terms I, of making yeah. their money back um and even be, like Pacino, released theatrically as two three-hour movies it was like it yeah. chapter one and chapter two yeah no, I'm, I'm so glad they did it as oh, six part hbo this is the only way this yeah. is the, and and i am as we've heard before on the show i am a pro movies if you can make it into a movie my preference is a movie over a tv show but in some cases something like this is i think to get every beat of it right yeah, to really it, tell these two plays yeah you need the time you do and, need the time and you want to watch it 
back to back, like to watch part one. And I mean, I know the plays often are performed together, but I assume sometimes you see them separately. Mm -hmm. I know that the last run they were doing like a Saturday, Sunday Mm -hmm. thing. Part part two, Saturday, mm -hmm. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like if, if you're not releasing those movies at the same time, I don't know. It, it's hard to... and could you imagine waiting a year for yeah. perestroika because that's how yeah. they would have released it and you're yeah. just like wow i to get back into that zone I, like do we need to rewatch? because like it is dense yeah so you need like i think watching it as closely together as possible oh, yeah. is important yeah. and i so... think mike nichols did such a great job as director it's like imagining anyone else acting some of these parts i'm like i don't know i don't yeah, know if i, I want to see i understand Altman's interest and I understand the idea of Altman as kind of a direct because he did so many amazing ensemble I'm sure films. he would have done a great job yeah <laughs> yeah and I read in the Nichols book too apparently um Nichols felt that Altman's career in the 70s like Nichols saw Nashville and was like oh that's what I should like mm-hmm. why am I directing Day of the Dolphin I should be doing Nashville yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Day of the Dolphin <laughs> well yeah uh, you're handed a script. I, I'm no Hollywood insider, but if I'm handed a script, this is David Dolphin. I'm oh, like, no. oh, this could go two ways. <laughs> and only two ways. A lot of fun or golf. A total disaster. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so he, like with many actors and particular actresses, um, Nichols um, developed a very deep, trusting relationship. He was with uh, Emma Thompson. And... Um, I think she gives a wildly, I mean, she gets kind of, um, she gets some showy stuff in kind of some less than like, she doesn't get like, she doesn't have like an arc like Pryor or Lewis does, but I mean, the angel, like we've mentioned before, the fiery angel human sex yeah. to um, just her, her seen it all nurse with the tattoo, um, which was wonderful too. Yeah, and what her accent for that? Ooh, yeah. so specific, so good. What was it like, Eastern European, like Queens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. But it was you're right, very specific, <laughs> very <laughs> subtle. New York, perfect, like very specific. Yeah, and I love her look as this nurse. <laughs> like really into it. Um, yeah, the, uh, the staff see, at this hospital, yeah. they are tough. Yeah. <laughs> but like big heart, but like tough. Um, the way, because Lewis has that interaction with her when he leaves uh, hmm. prior, when they first get to the hospital, Lou. Yeah. Calls him. Um, and oh, the way, I mean, you can tell it's not the first time she's seen it, but that it's, and she doesn't really react. It, it's all, I mean, that's acting like you feel it you feel it watching her it's quiet and powerful yeah and you know that she's like you can see how devastating it is through her days at that moment you hear about the hospital workers working right now Mm -hmm. in COVID and just kind of what they're seeing on a day-to-day basis and you know bringing that kind of in that same vision of what she and Belize and the other members yeah. of that hospital staff are seeing on an everyday basis and mm-hmm. the fact that like nobody as much as they claim to know what's going on with COVID they don't yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and it's the same thing at this point with AIDS in the you know mid to late 1980s they were still struggling with what is 
exactly happening here mm -hmm. and it's awful because I've clearly the movie goes to great detail and showing us kind of the physical effects and even if you've seen it many times like her nurse character police has seen it like when Roy Cohen's bleeding all over Joe and the look on Belisa's face knowing what kind of danger yeah that they're all feeling and Joe not knowing at all what kind of danger is there I mean it this these people are so strong and they, you know, I think you need two actors like Jeffrey With, Wright and Emma Thompson. Yeah. Are you talking about the the blood scene? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of what the yeah. Belisa's well, like, take that. Well, because Joe doesn't even know. No, he has no idea. That Roy has AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably what blood it everywhere. means. Yeah. Yeah. God, oh, yeah. So it's... much blood. He gushes blood in a way I've never seen. Yes. Sorry. No worries. Um, yeah, that scene is really intense, and and you know that like, and Belise is like trying to tell him what to do, and he doesn't yeah. understand. Like, why does it matter? He's like, take that shirt off, throw it away. You know, like, yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't he's, touch he's, it. He's don't such a child. It. He's such a child. He's like, why? Why? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lewis is the one who tells Joe that Roy has AIDS. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Joe's like, what? You know? Yeah. yeah. And Gosh. Lewis says to him, like, oh, of course, you don't even know two closeted bigots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, heavy, 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 yeah. heavy. Um, um, but yeah, but Emma Thompson, you. like, when she's looking over, giving him his exam, and they light her, like, it's one of those hospital lights that's behind her, but it's this halo. And, mm -hmm. A true uh, angel. And it's before he sees her as the angel. I'm like, she's your angel. Yeah. And then when she does show up as the angel, she gets to play big and broad oh, yes. as much as possible yeah. and scream every one of her lines. Aye, 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 aye. Justin Kirk, we talked about Justin Kirk's reaction to the angel. If oh, she wasn't so coming down as like, so in such a thrilling fashion and performance and scariness, he wouldn't be doing that reaction like, i mean the jaw drops mm -hmm. <laughs> are so good and then i didn't know like she was under such heavy makeup in her one scene with streep where streep is looking for directions oh, yeah. that it took me a while to, and i did not realize it was emma thompson until probably oh when she's unhoused yeah when she's half like, halfway to three fourths yes yeah. halfway to three fourths the way through the scene i was like oh i think that's and i yeah. I, I admittedly did go to Wikipedia to double check that I was correct in my yeah. assumption that that was her, yeah. but it is, it is thrilling. I mean, it's up there when Streep is, I will get to Patrick's favorite part yeah. Where, Streep, yeah. where Streep is playing the rabbi. Of course, um, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. of course oh, the course. opening rabbi, yeah. Oh, okay. Streep hey, is the it. first character in this yes. <laughs> as the rabbi. It's, it does set a tone of anything is possible in this yeah. story by having yeah. Meryl Streep show up as a ancient rabbi. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I think like, and then to get to Emma Thompson is kind of the angel at the end. I guess we should probably talk about to the costuming of the angels at the end, all wearing just kind of like casual winter clothes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> parkas, like all really like day at the office. Well, well, I guess that they, they said that, um, they went through numerous like ideas 
yeah. of what to do there because they wanted to do something different. And Nichols, I guess, suggested like, why don't we just have them wear what the actors wear to rehearsal? <laughs> was, like, I like, loved the, it. was the idea. And I guess uh, Ben Shankman, according to, um, I believe Jeffrey Wright, is doing a Mike Nichols impression as one of the angels at the end of the at the end of the movie he does like he's Lewis is dir- the one he's doing a director the most, thing. like you're different <laughs> <laughs> just like chilling with his coffee or whatever oh, yeah he he took it and he's like I'm gonna do an impression yeah. of our director because I guess he he said he he's in muses a lot of his fellow castmates because he's a good impressionist yeah. but I um, love Meryl Streep's striped beanie and glasses mm-hmm. Yeah. very streep yeah. very what you imagine the real streep to yeah. show up to wearing um but i like i really like emma thompson i see because she has to ground mm-hmm. probably the why like the setup for it is one of the why like i mean they flew to italy to shoot all those sequences wow. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um I, it no. is stunning you're like where is this this has to be italy this is not san yeah. francisco yes <laughs> Yeah, they had to, I mean, and they were right that they had to do something pretty, go pretty bold with yeah. where they were saying this was going to take place. But I think she she really, like, obviously that scene is all about Justin Kirk and mm-hmm. the speech that he gives, but, you know, and good actor, good actor's a good actor. What I like about that, too, is, like, it is kind of, like, it sort of mirrors, because they, you know, they, uh, one line that's brought up is Meryl Streep, uh, as Hannah, she uh, they he asks her about uh, you know Joseph Smith and like prophets and stuff like that, and uh, a line that stuck out to me there was like how um, Hannah said that like he desired like what happened is what he desired and like there's like I feel like there's like yeah to, he prayed like, for it he like yeah uh, yeah but mm-hmm. it, but it's kind of like this like uh, this idea that like. It kind of like their their interpretation of heaven almost matches like uh, the Joseph Smith interpretation of heaven in the sense of like this is sort of like I feel like the Joseph Smith like there are these weird anachronisms that uh, pertain to their time and I think that like the idea of having heaven be this place that is like weirdly like oh there is like the San Francisco bridge like heaven is San Francisco like that's maybe like what Pryor's interpretation of a heaven would be. Oh, this is so silly. I mean, it just crossed my mind. It's like, if yeah, I, I don't know why it was like, so Harper is taking the trip to yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco. Why so, yes, That's why I know, said, I think yeah. she's on her way to heaven. Oh, oh you're right, you're right. You had a revelation. Because, but, uh, it took two hours. Sorry, folks. And because she dumb, dumb as your host floating up and filling yeah. that she used to be afraid of. That's why I'm like, I think maybe she yeah, died. You might be right. Uh, oh, yeah, Tony, Tony Kushner, is he, is he still on the phone? Can we, can we Tony, get him on the phone? Tony, yeah. can we get you back on? Um, yeah, his assistant says to hold. Uh, yeah. So we want you to literally yeah. answer all of the ambiguous questions that you left on the table for us, yeah. just for our show. Like, what, what a funny thing is that Tony Kushner just explains everything to a silly Meryl Streep podcast. Well, I think also <laughs> that's the beauty of this thing is every part of it has multiple meanings. And I think that's what it is. You know, that's the beauty of it. It could like, it could all be exactly what we're yeah. told in the story. She 
flew to San Francisco. Yeah. The Angels real. Pryor did climb to heaven. Uh, <laughs> heaven is San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge, and yeah. it's been having earthquakes since God abandoned it on the day of the great San Francisco earthquake here on Earth. <laughs> oh, which is my birthday, <laughs> In by the, the way. early 1900s. Oh, oh April. Yeah, every, what is it? April 16th? April 18th. April 18th. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday <laughs> movie miniseries. Also, uh, as we've heard, it's also the uh, due date yeah. of our baby. So, uh, on that note, too. So, oh what, what, is that, what if that connects everything? Okay, well, sh- shared birthday parties from now on. Patrick yeah. and our little girl. Yeah. Patrick, so, um, Patrick, your little girl, okay. and God uh, for abandoning heaven. heaven. Yeah. For abandoning heaven. Yeah. Makes sense um, to me. It also, makes I mean, sense to me, too. Also, if, if born on April 18th, I become the pod father. I become oh, the pod father. Okay, yeah. The Did pod you hear father. that, folks? Patrick just dropped his <laughs> mic on the ground. I'm now <laughs> strutting away. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick, he's just walking off into the distance, folks. Yeah. Um, that, victory <laughs> that idea of God abandoning heaven is in and of itself a very powerful subject within this. Yes. Telling and within this story and within this viewpoint, especially with characters like Lewis, all the all the analysis of like where is our world, what is happening in our world, all this pain that is addressed through all these different characters, all these flaws, like someone evil like Roy Cohen, this plague happening, you know, like uh, just every everything happening with humanity and the common idea that like, well, if there is a god, like what what is all you know why 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 all like um and i guess the apocalyptic feeling of the millennium approaching too and what that all means and like are we we heading towards an end times kind Mm -hmm. of um because it sure as hell feels like that (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh totally always yeah uh and then yeah this is like uh, emma is so is so good uh really you know all these different characters and really transforms between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has a specific subtle performance to it. Um, I mean, just incredible. The angel is gorgeous. Yeah. Those wings, beautiful, both the outfits. And two of the funniest parts are, are scenes with her besides the mouthing of eight vaginas. That's, that's Jeffrey Wright. But um, <laughs> the time where she crashes through the ceiling and then she's telling him to dig up his kitchen and he's like, the lease! The- yeah. <laughs> he yells the I don't know. I already don't know what to do about this ceiling. And then she just like lightning bolts the kitchen ground. Uh, and then the second time, uh, well, I don't know if it's the second time, but the last time when she's in black and white, mm-hmm. where he's like rejected his prophecy and Hannah's sort of been like rejected, and she and he's like, What do I do? What do I do? And she's like, You wrestle her and you <laughs> demand that she bless you. What a great <laughs> And Hannah does see it. It's this yeah. interesting part where Hannah's like, "Was that a dream I had?" But like Hannah sees what he's seeing. And anyway, when they wrestle and he finally comes down, and she's like, "Oh, you won! Like uh, my leg hurts." Yeah, and, my, and my he's side. like, "Okay, well, my leg's been hurting for months." Like, <laughs> that's funny too, because like uh, I'm out of pain. <laughs> in uh, in Genesis, like when Jacob wrestles like the angel or God or whatever that person is in Genesis, like that's like. He like hurts his thigh and like and and so like he's like oh. Jacob and that and, and also like <laughs> what's funny too is I, I read that uh like last night you know because I was like oh that happens in Genesis and uh and uh 
because of that wrestling and because he hurt his thigh or whatever, or like his hip hip socket. That's what my translation said. Uh, the Robert Alter uh, for all you Genesis boys out there. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> they uh, they say in the in the hashtag. in the book. Uh, I'm gonna name socket. my new punk rock band. <laughs> don't don't confuse us though with the band genesis yeah. because that happens all the time and yeah. genesis is litigious as hell oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yes yeah. i'm so sorry i'm yeah. so sorry but sorry, uh, sorry. But, uh, but uh phil collins was a genesis boy yeah he was not oh, a piss, not a piss boy both. though Ellen Collins was in both the actual Genesis and Genesis Boys. That's a comment. Oh well, though no, just yeah, yeah. Why not? We're you're invited in. But but, uh, but, uh, but just uh, the only thing I want to say is that uh, because like he hurt his hip or whatever, he was like, yeah, we'll never eat meat, the meat from the hip near the hip socket ever again. That's not allowed anymore. So that's just uh, that's all I wanted to say. Okay. I don't know. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, what I do love though about this entire piece, and I think like what I love and like when a drama reaches kind of this like its highest pitch the only real place to go is away from realism uh-huh yes like i love the scene in magnolia to go back to that where they sing mm-hmm. because nothing has been everything has gone so bad for these people over the last two and a half hours yep. that there is nothing left for them to do than sing and have actual frogs fall from the sky because they've done every other piece of dramatic possibility has been covered and it's just like we need something otherworldly and we need to wrestle an angel yeah and like that is like the dramatic peak for priors we're literally yeah. wrestling an angel and that's fantastic yeah. like yeah it totally rules like i again you wish other creatives were willing to go this far yeah it kind oh, of oh, and <laughs> is like it's a very funny wrestling too well, it's mostly him holding on for dear life yeah. and her blowing out the, is, the hospital over new york city the effects obviously are of their era <laughs> but you also know that it's like because they're there like oh they had to strap justin kirk to emma thompson and like throw them around and they it's the two these two actors half acting and half like hanging on for dear life which is wonderful because choreography whatever it is is so good the way emma thrusts and squirms and and Um, even when he falls and then jumps on one more time and and then she just slowly comes down she she's um she's really great this it's not like Obviously, it isn't Roy Cohen. It isn't like the craziest, showiest right. stuff in the world, but it's just, it's so solid. Uh, she was um, nominated for leading actress at the Emmys. That's for the, interesting. For, probably, again, I think this goes back to who's the biggest star uh-huh. in, yeah. in, in these things. Because I would the, say Mary Louise Parker was the lead but you know and the three the the three big stars <laughs> were the three that got nominated for the leading roles okay. uh emma thompson did not win because because and i know we're sitting here we're deep 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 into this conversation and we have not brought up particularly often the kind of reasoning for us sitting yeah. down and watching this. Well, <laughs> well, you said up top we were gonna get to her last. <laughs> yeah, hell, oh, man. and am I? And I am a. I am a person of my word. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> 
so we're talking Meryl Streep right now. Meryl Streep is um, so at this point in Meryl Streep's career, the year before this, she had done Adaptation and The Hours, wow. which are a key time because it kind of brought her out of these kind of mid-range movies that she was doing toward the mid to late 90s. Her post death becomes her post defending your life era where yeah. she was um stuff wasn't necessarily meant drying up they were still good parts but they weren't like these like she was still a couple years from away from devil wars prada which kind of redefined yeah her career she's stuck um, in marvin's room she can't get out marvin's room, room music from the heart we're talking these nice movies but not really like um these showstoppers but Hours and um, Adaptation were both a little more adventurous, got some real Academy attention and brought, really brought it back to the forefront. Like we said earlier, she had done The Seagull with Nichols earlier. Now, uh, going back to Emma Thompson and Mike Nichols, in the early 90s, right after Postcards from the Edge, Mike Nichols' next film was supposed to be Remains of the Day. Now, he bought the rights to it, he was going to do it. Meryl Streep naturally assumed due to their working relationship, she was going to be playing the female lead in it. Nichols, though, kind of behind Streep's back, decided Streep was not right for the role and thought Emma Thompson was right for the role. Emma Thompson, of course, went on to play it and be nominated and all this kind of stuff. Streep did not feel it was communicated very well to her that Mm -hmm. this, this shift, they both had the same agent though, And Nichols, because he hated confrontation, had the agent tell Streep what was going on with it. Streep was upset at both of them, but the poor agent was ended up being fired by both of them for how it went down. And Streep and Nichols regained their friendship a couple years later. (laughs) Oh, damn, that agent really lost out. The, the real loser was the agent. Every, everyone, everyone else did just fine. But um, I bet course, the agent did fine too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, these are all okay. these, these are all rich, powerful people. They are all fine. Yeah. Um, Nichols didn't end up directing. Uh, Remains of the day. James Ivory of Merchant Ivory ended up directing that movie, and then they spent the rest of the '90s trying to reconnect with each other. But both were going through different kind of transition in their lives Nichols was doing some real like his films included primary colors the aforementioned on a previous episode wolf the Jack Nicholson werewolf movie mm-hmm. and it kind of reached its low with what planet are you from the Gary Shandling starring vehicle uh Gary okay. and um hey, Mike Nichols everyone did it was a massive massive flop uh, Gary Shandling and Mike Nichols hated each other's guts mm. the entire way through and it's mostly Nichols fault because Nichols treated Gary very poorly because yeah. uh, Shandling was not a um, a supreme com- comedic mind but not necessarily a actor mm. and what Nichols wanted from him was more actor stuff and according to the book they actually felt Nichols felt later on that he saw too much of himself in Gary Shandling and he was taking it out on him for it, but it was a terrible experience for both of them. Gary Nichols was almost heading to the point of being abusive verbally, like okay. just an asshole. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And then also on set, Nichols stepped through a spot on the set and fell down and broke his leg. So he was unable to move and he had the God mic. Yeah. And he was 
doing all of his instructions and his snarky comments over a microphone that everyone on set could hear. And I guess even Annette Benning was in uh, this film. Annette Benning was and Warren Beatty close friends with both Nichols and Gary Shandling separately. And she had to take Nichols aside and tell him, you're being real hard on Gary. Yeah. So it was a real low point. And then, so Nichols wasn't sure because it was such a flop. Basically, he was, um, things were not looking very, the prospects were not high of another big theatrical mm-hmm. release for him. And his Broadway career wasn't, so he was in, really down the dumps. But then he did this version of The Seagull with this all-star cast. Then he did Wit with Emma Thompson, and that led to Angels, which kind of brought them all back and brought him back into the fold for his final collaboration with Streep. Um, Streep was originally hired... I guess the uh, rabbi character, Patrick's favorite, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, was a added a bonus character, like that they had, she was going to play Hannah, she was going to play one of the angels, and Ethel and, Rosenberg, and she was going to play Ethel Rosenberg, yeah. and I guess they joked. Street said, "Am I going to be paid more to be to play the rabbi as well?" <laughs> but uh, a funny story that I guess um, I did not realize Maurice Sendek wrote where the wild things are oh wow plays one of the fellow old rabbis at the cemetery Whoa, and I did not streep, know that. streep stayed in character all day long and he did not know he was talking to meryl streep throughout their entire day on set together wow. and I, and someone had to tell him like oh that was actually meryl. he's like when do i get to meet meryl streep and I'm like you did <laughs> you actually did uh <laughs> yeah. hang out with her you just, you just seen with <laughs> you her you just seen with her <laughs> uh but yeah like it's it's such a bold choice to open the movie with the most celebrated american actor playing a old rabbi Playing kind of an unrecognizable character. Once you know it's her, it's fully recognizable. It becomes a bit cartoonish, but that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not, not bothered yeah. by it because the thing about it is, is she flips it because Hannah is one of the most grounded characters mm-hmm. in the entire play. She plays none of it for fireworks. She plays it incredibly matter of fact, mm-hmm. but it's, so it's correct. It's actually yeah. correct. Yeah. Because if we've learned anything, the movies might not be great that Meryl's in, but she always makes the right choices as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And this, fortunately, is a good film on top yeah. of that. And yeah. both Ethel, her portrayal of Ethel Rosenberg and Hannah are... Yes. Piercingly perfect. And yeah. her first opportunity to be on screen with Al Pacino. Yeah. Was in, oh, was wow. in these scenes. Long-time friends, long-time fans. Yeah. Like, of each other i mean al was um close friends with john cazale her late mm-hmm. boyfriend and he was the one who he i on the cazale documentary they interview al and he's like oh he called me up and i saw the best act cazale told me i saw the best actor in the entire world in this play and al's like get the hell out of here and then he went and saw it he's like yeah you're right <laughs> it was her and yeah. uh you know and they're all they're blown away by her and i wish i wish that they I mean we've talked about it on every episode how generous of a co-star she is yeah. whether she's in with scenes with, and in this it's again whether she's with mary louise parker whether she's with justin kirk whether she's with al pacino mm-hmm. she's just giving 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 and being such a profound co-star in every every scene she's in and i mean in particular i read this story that justin kirk was very nervous on set Mm-hmm. all the time 
Right. And she would do little things because when he was trying to lose the weight, he was on a coffee and cigarettes diet. Oh. And she would do little oh. things like go have a smoke with him and just hang out with him. And, you know, and, yeah. and he said it was just nice to have someone of Meryl. She's like, I don't know if she's even a smoker, but it was nice to have like yeah. some company and just kind of like, yeah. the, you know, have someone like of that caliber who's been through. I mean, she, she, she was Sophie. I mean, she's done. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's done these tortured, really tough physical and mental parts, and to have just someone say they're an ally mm-hmm. and give you a shoulder when you're really in the trenches, I think is incredibly helpful. And you know, I think that's what kind of person she is. Just, you know, she sees a young actor like him, really putting his heart and soul out there. You know, you want to be there for him. I think, you know, that's what you're asking for from your stars. Yeah, you're you're number one on the call sheet kind of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, she uh, and I do think that like it's so funny uh, when I first watched this, seeing her in the like the full on regalia, like you know she's like a an old Belarusian rabbi, you know what yeah. I mean? Like she has that whole thing, and it's like there there's like this part of me that initially was kind of balking at it a little bit, just a little bit. Because it feels like the movie is trying to be like, this ain't your daddy's Meryl Streep. You know, this is like, Yeah, a little bit. It's a little... Yeah, it's a little it could be a joke. It could yeah. be a joke. And it's like, and it's a little like, and it feels like she's like, it's like a little overacting. It's like a little, like, it almost feels like, you know, there's like a way this could have gone where like, it goes full on Star Wars prequel character. Like that level of like, just like madness. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. Like, it's like, like you can't expect like Watu to come on in. And yeah. They have, they talk about quarter portions or whatever, but. Yeah, she reveals her name's like Jad Koo Montana or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. My name is, <laughs> it's just I, Kumbar Pongas. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Trade Federation for a little bit. Yeah, but... I'm, like, I'm a bartender at the weirdest bar in the galaxy. but like the fact that like i think her best performance in the play or my my personal favorite street moment with the exception of maybe the when street meets the angel that's pretty good and we'll talk about that that in depth but like uh but when she's in the when she's at the when she's at the uh cemetery after the the Mm. procession or whatever after the the funeral um, with the other, you know, with uh, Marie Sendak, who, you know, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. I, I just looked up a picture of Marie Sendak. I thought that he looked like the guy from Office Space, uh, Richard Real. And I was like, is that like the dude who plays Tom in Office Space? The guy who, <laughs> and so I looked up and to see if like, <laughs> yeah, the, the jump to conclusions, Matt guy. And I was like, is this dude in freaking Angels in America in a weird cameo? I gotta look. But no, that turns out it was Marie Sendak. So that's, that's great. Oh, there you go. But, uh, but, uh, but she's so subtle in that, even in that makeup, like she's able to be like, it's not like she... She, I think part of it's just like her stooped position. It's not like super, uh, it's not, it doesn't feel forced or that she's trying to do something crazy. She just like inhabits that character. Mm-hmm. And it's done in a very, it's it's respectful. And it's also like, it's not like, I feel like when she's like, I think part of it's like, you know, when you are a rabbi, you do have to give a bit of a performance, right? You know, and you're talking yeah. to all these people. And so, like, I think she was, like, kind of big and showy in a way where I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. But then the fact that you see her, like, just, like, 
Conley, like, what was it? She's like, uh, she's skinning an apple, I think, or something, or like, you know, she's taking the, or some sort of fruit. Like, it's just, I don't know. She, um, she has like a lighter touch in the second scene and it just makes that work so well. And I, you know, and you believe for a moment, oh shit, this is like, you know, you, you kind of forget that it's Meryl for a split second. I don't I'm know. I'm hearing little meows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the cats probably were very impressed with Meryl's performance. And Well, they were there. They were yeah. there. They were sitting on the couch with me watching the, watching the show. Um, I've watched this a bunch of times. I remember most of the parts of it always. Um, when, when Pryor first meets her when that starts to happen it always dawns on me oh yeah their relationship again in this beautiful way that i'm always like really excited by like it's it's great (laughs) it's it's really it's the stuff she does with him and all their scenes together it's it's really moving it's just terrific stuff Mm -hmm. and yeah they're they're because it's where where you fall in love with her Mm because before that she is a little She's icy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think too, it's it's such a dramatically strong, like when you're thinking about like, okay, what characters do we want to put together? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a left field choice, but at the same time, you're like, no, this is the right, we need to see these two. Like yes. he, yeah. if he if he finds, you know, a surrogate mother or someone to help him to be with him, but he needs someone to be at his side especially yeah. you know as he the fever grows and then he goes you know goes through that final sequence you know you could pick from a variety of characters oh. i mean you could have said like you know go with harper she's wandering the streets and then you've already had the scene toward the top where they meet in the fantasy realm have them but yeah. no you go in this direction and, it's, and it works perfectly and then you know his great line of the why don't you live up to the stereotype mm-hmm. you know and she proves to be something completely different and uh it just goes to show kind of like this is you know we've said it a hundred times this is pretty darn good yeah (laughs) yeah pretty good i think that sums it up pretty good yeah Yeah, pretty good pretty good pretty good and i think uh meryl streep is really really good in this i think this is another one of those ones for her where she's almost so good and just so like she has nothing to prove yeah. As an actor at this point, she it's not like she's doing Sophie where she has to learn three languages and go through unima- unimaginable pain and scenes and stuff like that. She's she's just really, you know, she's given that a, in a sense to the younger cast members to do. Yeah. But uh she's just so solid. She's I mean, you know, and I know that Mike Nichols, you know, you've gotta feel safe working with the younger actors because you know that Al and Streep and Emma Thompson are going to they're going to do what they need to do mm-hmm. and so I think she's really great I think um you know she obviously won the Golden Globe and the Emmy for Best Actress this uh this was the um one of first of two programs in Emmy history to sweep every major eligible category wow. the other was uh last very year Shit's Creek did it oh but, yeah uh, but uh that was the only the second one this was the first one to do that um you know we've gone around we i think you know there's no controversy here we all think it's great yeah uh, <laughs> profound piece of work there's no i don't think we're nobody's coming out of this losing friendships yeah. we're all like yeah. on the same page yeah but i think i think the one question though is you know we've gone through a lot of street material mm-hmm. over these months 
did we screw up? Should Angels in America have been in this tournament? Oh. I, I mean, how? Like, okay. So, <laughs> that might be the end. That might I, be it right there. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's so beyond even a tournament in a way. No, mm-hmm. no, no shame to your tournament, which is very important from the academy. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, but also, uh, you know, we tell that to the it. Nobel Prize Committee. <laughs> <laughs> we. <laughs> Um, we chatted a little bit about it before we started, um, uh, you know, to, because it's a multiple round thing and this is a six hour intense piece of work to have to watch it repeatedly for the tournament, I think is the only, is, is the only drawback for it being a contender. Otherwise I think, um, you know, there's other vehicles that maybe more like this is a Meryl Streep vehicle uh-huh. and this one is just a superstar. This one's just brilliant across the board, but I think it would be a great contender if it wasn't for that. The only way I think, and this is such a like time travel-y kind of answer, um, if this had come out a little bit earlier in Meryl uh-huh. Streep's life and Meryl Streep had gotten to play Harbor, then uh-huh. perhaps I think the argument could, because I think Meryl Streep would have knocked it out of the park playing Harper, I think she would have found a lot of interesting things. I think that would have been a very intriguing part for her. Um, but she you know, just wasn't in the right um, age range yeah. when when the time came. But, you know, she's she brings everything to it. I agree. I don't think it's a um, I don't think it's a, like, it's not Sophie's. It's not um, it's not even Kramer in terms of her like, kind of key performances, but she's great in it. Mm-hmm. And she's a not an extremely valuable member of the extremely great ensemble. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. there is like a thing I've been thinking about, and there's a part of me that would have loved. So I'm gonna say this for Al Pacino, almost irreplaceable as uh, Roy Cohn. Like you, you know, perfect for the role, perfect performance. There is a part of me that wonders, like you know, if they could have her play the rabbi, like what would a Meryl Streep Roy Cohn Oh, good that pitch, would be Patrick. So interesting. I feel like she would have a lot of wild, like it would be a very different performance from Al Pacino's. But I think it'd be very good too. I don't know. Like she's such a, I don't know. Like I love the idea of a Roy Cohn, Meryl Streep. That would yeah, be, mm. a very Academy Academy pitch. Oh, uh, yeah. continuously wanting to see street play terrible people I don't know why we're so obsessed with this idea of her yeah. playing like nasty characters uh, yeah, but, yeah, um, that role. We, yeah we want to see her in a safety movie we want you know yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I think she's you know I think she's terrific in oh, this yeah. I'm, I'm so happy we watched this I'm so happy we had yeah. a chance to talk about it I wish um, I really hope that um I'll just speak for myself here because both of you are very smart and astute. I'm hoping that we were respectful. I'm hoping that I was respectful to yeah. oh. uh, how yeah. great of a, yeah. how, and there, there is a responsibility in talking about this because this isn't, you know, yeah. hey, we love yeah. She Devil. We love yeah. Death Becomes Her. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this, is, um, yeah. this is a little bit more than that. I, I, <laughs> and, I'm also sorry yeah. for ever saying Angels in America should have a squeak wool. I think <laughs> only a sequel. Only a sequel. Oh, okay. okay. Only I mean, a sequel. Technically, it already is two parts. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Tony, Tony's, Tony's back at the door. He's coming no, to be with somebody. No. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I read uh, your I read your work the work of Mark Harris. Please don't. <laughs> I know we supported your household. We bought the Mark Harris book. Oh my <laughs> We're gonna see West Side Story. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I do wonder, like, before we head out here, like, there is, like, mm-hmm. I heard this uh, podcast a few years ago, and this is, like, a totally different artist or whatever, but uh, it was Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie was talking about making music. Oh, wow. And he kind of, this, he said, he's like, you know, we put out records every two or three years mm-hmm. to this day, and we have, we work very hard on them, we're very proud of them, but I am very aware as an artist, like, when people look back, they're going to go to the Transatlanticism album or the, the photo album or like these earlier works. And I'm probably not going to ever reach these heights again. And I think Tony Kushner is also aware of that with his work. And I think it's hard. Like, I mean, I like, I like groups like U2 and Metallica and they're clearly not aware that they're not going to reach wherever they were at some point like you know bono still thinks that they're one album away you know but uh and i I, and i say that as a bono defender um but i think like tony kushner is very very like he has to be freaking over the moon Mm -hmm. that he accomplished this like even if you know almost 30 years later from when he first wrote the first draft of this like he has you know he's done some nice stuff munich and lincoln and probably this upcoming spielberg west side story he's an excellent writer he's lived an excellent life um boy but to know that you did this would be such a like i don't even know what that's like as a you know it's such a it must be such a feeling to know that you you know created this and even if you don't write another seven hour to play uh, discussion about everything in America at the turn of the new century. Um, yeah. Why well, should you? You did it once and you killed it. I just want to let you know, Donald, that uh, I'm currently writing a uh, a parody of Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, but instead <sighs> of like uh, Tim Allen, it's Goku. Like it's like, what if Goku became the Santa Claus? So I will know oh. in about two weeks what it's like to. Just, I'll, I'll let you know. It's gonna. I'll, I'll let you know in like two. Once mm-hmm. I'm done, I'll let you know. I, oh. I'm. I'm glad that you. Yeah. Announced, I mean, I. I'm worried. Did, I hope you didn't jinx the announcement of this masterpiece by telling yeah. us ahead of time before you're done. But yeah. um. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no 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 no. Well, you know, Kushner, I think is shaking in his boots. Yeah. <laughs> Coming for you, Kushner. <laughs> this is gonna dethrone your great seminal work you know he would he would write a powerful essay in the new yorker about how far culture has fallen Uh, i would write one in highlights yeah thank god mike nichols isn't here to see this (laughs) but yeah i think this is the end of our nickel streep series this was super super fun digression hope you all enjoyed it we are next week at this time. We will know the winner wow. of the Meryl Streep turn. We know we know it's we know it's the juggernaut, Sophie's Choice versus the Cinderella story, Florence Foster Jenkins. Um, we told you off the air, but as a new as our newest member of the Academy, Ruha, you are invited to join us. Thank you for this 
monumental final. We know Meryl Streep has won three Academy Awards. She's mm-hmm. won innumerable Golden Globes. She was in Angels in America. Yeah. But a titular angel. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. But uh, is there a greater honor than winning the Academy Academy tournament? I don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Call call Gummer. Call them all. We're coming yeah. next yeah. week. We're getting the slime um, ready as we speak. Yes, we're, we're you're getting again. slimed even in quarantine. We're so socially distant sliming. <laughs> yeah, we're um, gonna mail you the slime. You have to self-slime. Yeah, <laughs> 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 open the there's gonna be some instructions. You open the lid carefully, you put it over your head, and you pour. Yes. It'll be gross, but it will be funny. It's very so, funny, it's very good. But uh thank you so much, Ruha, for um yeah. joining us on this uh very special academy academy episode yeah uh, uh, you'd like to plug yes well thank you for having me it was uh, you know this is one of my all-time favorite things it was an absolute pleasure to re-watch it and dive in with you all um plug i don't leave my house um uh, but <laughs> i was in a i was in a short uh blocks the film that went to sundance last year and is oh, still cool. making some online festival rounds so that's a great little project check that out that sounds great yeah. oh boy what a uh, what an emotional journey but oh, thank man. you so much again for joining us next week we uh we wrap this thing up so you know no thank yous we're coming in hot <laughs> hold on to your butt yeah, yeah. hold on to your butts hold on to your butts thank you everybody <laughs> Tell the bellboy come get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here tonight And I've packed my bags And i paid my bills And I'm turning in my key And if those sad souls down in the lobby Ask for me Just tell them I'm checking out This heartbreak hotel I ain't gonna live on Lonely Street no more No more I found a new love and a new place to dwell where teardrops ain't